I am Consciously Curious, a podcast for those that are searching for a career or are cultivating meaning within their own space. We've had anesthesia providers to barbers, dog behaviors to airline pilots, white collar to blue collar, entrepreneurs to passion projects. Life's too short to not produce meaningful work. Join me, Victor Chan, as we deep dive within various industries. I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to leave a comment. I hope you find some value within these conversations, but more importantly, I hope it sparks a meaning within your own space. Our next guest is the Illinois Ambassador for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. At 30 years old, he began to notice weakness and muscle deterioration in his legs. Years go by until he receives a diagnosis of a rare and incurable disease called limb girdle muscular dystrophy. He has since found joy and community within the food and hospitality scene. He's collaborated with Pauly G's Logan Square, JP Graziano's, JT's Genuine, and so many more. A link to donate is in the show notes. Please enjoy my conversation with Billy Zurkin. Billy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, you have been making waves in the Chicago hospitality and food and beverage scene. Yeah, it's been a very, very wild year and a half. H- have, has anyone told you you're kind of the king of collaborations? Uh, it's been floated out there. Um, <laughs> I I still have a Burger King crown from when I was a kid. It's a little paper crown. So I've been, sometimes I'll throw it around around the house, just look in the mirror, look, hold my dog up, and, yeah, and look yeah, at it. But yeah. no, I mean I've I've heard that, and um, you know I'm honored to to be known as that. You know, uh, you were recently on the uh, Joiners podcast. Um, shout out uh, Tim and Danny. Yes, and uh, they shared a quote from the episode uh from you and the quote goes i've had the time of my life during the hardest time of my life yes and you are reinventing yourself uh through cooking yes um that's what we're going to get into the episode about but uh i'd love to take it back take it back you were starting to share pre-recording share about your journey of learned helplessness as well as going eight years without See, a mix of not seeking help and as well as not finding a diagnosis, not, not getting a diagnosis, to now reinventing yourself and helping, you know, a cause, uh, the Muscular Dystrophy Association, as well as helping the local businesses in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So many good things uh, that you're doing at the moment. But if we were to rewind the clock, um, can we go back to a time where... You said you were in media, right? You were in media, yeah. you loved basketball, mm-hmm. sneakers, all that. Yeah. Pre-diagnosis. Sure. Take us back. So, uh, I grew up south side of Chicago. Yeah. Um, and eventually southwest suburbs in like high school. Um, college, went to uh, Lewis University. Mm. Studied journalism, uh, broadcast journalism, print journalism. I was a sports editor of the newspaper, and I hosted my own radio show, college radio show. Um, I did a lot. And... I interned for ESPN Radio 1000, Mm. and I got hired when I was a junior. So I think I was one of the youngest people they've ever hired. What 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 do you like about the radio vessel? Um, You know, it was initially I wanted to get into broadcast journalism in general. Um, Okay, I wanted. Well, I was a writer first. Um, Mm. I actually wrote, um, but I I realized that I felt I like being creative. I'm a very creative person, and I wanted to do more behind the scenes stuff. 
And I like the idea of creating montages and highlight packages and doing, you know, telling the story mm. with audio. I thought that was really cool because I was, I did more radio than I did TV in college. And so I kind of was kind of going down that road. And ESPN was a dream of mine. And I said, you know, if I'm going to work for any sports network, got to work for the biggest. Yeah. That's how I think. It's always think big and you'll you'll learn more about that with me that's my mind is always shooting for the moon with everything and i remember trying to get an internship with espn radio couldn't get a contact with anybody i just i had my resources at the university that really didn't do anything so i'm like you know i'm doing this in my own way and i would just like email and find like i did everything i can and hustled use my investigative journalism skills to find contacts and eventually i found the right person and Finally got an interview and went up there and they were like, "Yeah, we'd love to. You, you seem like you're you're really um, you're set for this and your persistence was amazing. You know, we can we've we've gotten the messages and everything. So, a hey, psychopath, you know, <laughs> take take a step back. It but, worked. Hey, I know it totally worked. <laughs> so, um, I remember though, I met with once I started, I met with um, one of their uh, engineer audio engineers producers. His name is Ernie Scatton. Ernie was my guy from the beginning. He is—he was like my radio uncle. I called him. He's like everybody's radio uncle. He was—was was he a host? He was a no. He did not like sound engineering. Sound he engineer. was the voice. If you ever heard ESPN one thousand, yeah, that Ernie. That was Ernie. He did all the ads, everything. He was the man, but he was the nicest, most caring, genuine dude ever. Kind of took you under his everybody. wing. Took everybody under his oh, wing. Okay. He was like literally everybody's uncle. But I remember having a conversation with him in the in the studio when I, my first day. I go, hey, Ernie, how are you, man? He's like, good, good. I'm like, hey, do you guys ever hire interns? And he goes, you know, I don't think we actually have before, but like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you're good enough, you'll, you know, you'll do it. And this is me in a nutshell. I go, cool. All right, well, I'm going to be the first. <laughs> and he smiles like, I, I like the way you think. And like, from that point, I put my hard hat on and I went to work. I hustled. I hustled my ass off there. And... I eventually, um, you know, I would just work overnights, do anything I can, or you know, overnights, weekends, whatever I can do to get reps. I would go and I found the studio that no one would go to, Studio D, mm. all the way at the end of the hallway, and I taught myself how to use the equipment. I've never used it before. It's something called an Odyssey that I think is like way, way dead now, but I taught myself how to use that, and I, I learned, and I, I found this method that. They would never, no one would ever teach you. It was like this weird way, and I can't even even explain it here, but I, I, I found a way that worked for me, and I became like a pro at using this and cutting audio highlights really quickly. And I always had a mind that I can visualize and tell a story through mm. this. So that was just like a natural, once I knew how to use the equipment, then it's like, okay, Billy's brain goes to work. And... I eventually got hired. I produced the first job was to be the uh, White Sox producer, and I produced the 2005 White Sox World Series. Oh, Uh, wow. If you go on YouTube and type in ESPN 1000 White Sox World Series montage, someone uploaded my 12-minute highlight package that I created that night, Um, and it's still there. So I loved it. I eventually went on to produce um, talk shows. 
and I was the first producer of the Waddle and Sylvie show. It's still in the air. It's, I think, number one talk show. Still in the city for, like, 20 years. But I was the first producer of that show. Started out on, on nights and then eventually went to be the midday show. We were the number one sports talk show in the city, and I did all the sound for it. I was known as the best sound guy in the city, audio producer in the city. And... It was uh, it was a blast. I loved it. Like you know, I had cool experiences. I worked with the Bulls, and you know, I I got to if there was a big game on, and say the White Sox won the World Series, uh, Derrick Rose hits game winner when he was with the Bulls. Whatever, Joe Kim Noah dunks on Paul Pierce, Bulls win Game Six of the uh, of the series against the Celtics. I created the highlight packages mm. for the next day. The stuff that would give people goosebumps. That was my that That's was my awesome. job, and it was so much fun. I loved it. Um, unfortunately, there was no money in the business, so I uh, it, it broke me down. I, it broke me to the point where I just like I'm, I was working two jobs and I was hustling, and it was just too much. I was working okay. like a combined seventy hours a week, and I'm like this is and getting paid for like forty of them. Uh, it was that's a whole labor law thing for another day. Yeah, another yeah, conversation. yeah, yeah. But I was burnt, and I knew that I think my time. This was is up. in your early twenties. This is my early twenties. Yeah, yeah, I well from. The age of 20 to about 28. Um, okay. And that, that was my time there. And then uh, I eventually moved on to my current career. I work in logistics and transportation, and that is a wild transition. The only reason I got into that business, though, was my best friends. There's three brothers, uh, Jay, Jake, and Nate, my best friends since I was a kid. Jay and I went to kindergarten together. Mm. Um, their family was always involved in the trucking business. They owned their okay. trucking company for a long time, worked for a logistics company, and they're like, listen, we are so sick of seeing you beaten down like this. You're exhausted. And we know you're good at this. And you know, we know you love it, but like you need to be treated better. And I wasn't treated right there. It just was not okay. fair um, to really anybody who's a producer. It's just unfortunately, if you work in a, in a high, if you have a job that's desirable, they'll find somebody who can pay. They'll pay less mm. to do that job because it's, you work for ESPN. It's, you know, it's, it's highly sought after. Exactly. And so, yeah, I ended up uh, I ended up leaving, and I learned the business that I'm in now. Uh, it took me a little bit to learn it, but once, like, say six months into it, I understood it. Since I've started there, 13 years later, I'm still there now, but I'm the leading revenue generator since the Thir- since I started 13? the company. 13 years now for this company. Wh- how are you gener- generating revenue? I work with – so I'm a transportation manager. So I, what I do is I – and a freight broker. So I will work with different companies, and I coordinate their, their shipments – onto my company's uh, drivers. We have like 10,000 drivers. And then I'm a freight broker where I can take that business and then in turn broker it to another trucking company. So I, I, I have a lot of hats. And uh, so there's a lot of, it's a basically... So is it kind of like arbitrage? Like you're just kind of like the value from other companies that are transporting is a little lower than what your, your company is transporting at it? I don't know, just like no, just so leveraging... I'm, I'm essentially the middleman okay. for everyone. Okay. okay. I'm the middleman that coordinates. Uh, say you own a beer company, okay, and you're like, "Hey, I need to ship twenty thousand pounds of beer from Chicago to Dallas." You'll reach out to me, and I will. I have a fleet of drivers. I can, you know, I will, you know, figure out what that would cost. Gotcha. Get you the prices, whatever, and then I would find the truck for you with either within my company's fleet, or I can say, say, if I you charge, I charge you two thousand dollars. I can then in turn take that shipment that would pay two thousand dollars and i can broker that to another company and say hey you know what jj's company is going to take that he can do it for 500 bucks so i can charge them 500 dollars, 
and then I make you know that I absolutely or whatever. So, but I basically what my job essentially I tell everybody is the 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 map of the country is a puzzle. I'm constantly just moving pieces around, and that's what I do. I I problem solve all day, every day. You increase flow. Yeah, increase flow. I it's just it's just keeping things moving. I have to keep the wheel moving. Um, mm. so that's my day job, and I've been doing that now for 13 years. But from the beginning, once I learned the business, I basically. Um, and I say this in not like an arrogant way or anything, but basically I've turned into like Tom Brady for our company. I've, I've, I've been our leader every year, um, consistency throughout, through and through, even in the past two years where my life has been all over the place and I've done a million other things, I still don't let my day job slip because that's what pays the bills. And as much as I love the other stuff, this is, this is what, you know. Yeah. So, which begs the question: Like, do you do you still get a sense of fulfillment from your day job? Uh, I'll be honest. I I don't love the business. I haven't. I've I kind of lost it a while ago. But you Um, you enjoy the people you work with. I oh yeah, that's their family to me. That's part of it. Yeah, that they're fine. But you know, I work fully remotely now, so Um, it's like I'm just I'm in my own world. I deal with my own book of business. I don't have to be in meetings or anything, which is a blessing. I love that. That's how I like to work. Leave me alone. Let me just do my thing. You could trust me. Work is never going to be a problem. Did with you? Me. But especially during the pandemic, did you miss that personal component? I I did sometimes, but I feel like I talk to those guys since we're friends anyway. I'm oh. in a group chat all day. I talk oh, to my friends okay, all day. Okay. That does, I can separate it. I work better just kind of like isolated. Let me do my thing. Sure. And then let me just let me just work. Well, it definitely so, allows you to create a side hustle. Exactly. Yeah. And then it allows me, you know, because I could do this job literally from anywhere. There's, and we'll get into this more later. But I don't. <laughs> I, when I say I work remotely, I literally work from anywhere. I've had to take days where I work from my car, work from I pull over inside of the road, and I'll be just on my laptop, sure. knocking stuff out while I'm going to do like you know a collaboration thing or testing a recipe or whatever I have to do. People on the internet don't know I have another job. They think that I think people think I just you know create content and, and yeah, create food. Right. I literally have a full-time job that is a high damn high demand stress job and i'm in like i'm on the phone dealing with like million dollar companies all day um coordinating their shipments but i have to do the other stuff too and, and vice versa these companies probably don't know what you're no, doing some with of them, some of them do now yeah some of them i actually i let i let them into uh, i let a few of my really close customers in there and awesome. they they love it now they root for me and uh, it's pretty it's pretty now fun it's personal yeah now they search they're like Wait, who? They always call me. They're like, "Oh, Mr. Hollywood, this celebrity Shishito man." Shishito Pepper kind of looks like Billy. Yeah, no, it's funny. Well, they're like, "Mr. Hollywood man." Oh, we heard you on TV. We saw the interview. What, what are you doing today? I'm like, dude, I'm in this, I'm in my car right now. I'm just working. I'm tired, man. I don't sleep. Uh, so that's my job that I'm doing now. And then as time gotcha. went on, um, you know, I basketball. You mentioned yeah. before, yeah. Sports and basketball was my life. I worked a career in basketball. And you know, in in not basketball specifically, but in sports and covering sport, covering the Bulls and working around it, I played basketball since I was a kid. Um, and even around the age of thirty, I was still playing. It was more recreationally now, yeah. um, but I would play with those same guys that I work with. Okay, we would get together and we we'd play pickup games during the week. And all of a sudden, this is where things start to get weird. Mm. I will be on defense, and all of a sudden, I backpedal and I just fall over. Okay friends are like okay well you okay i'm like yeah i'm good and i just like push myself up and i go get back and into the play. You probably genuinely at that time like didn't think anything of it no idea okay. i i thought i'm officially 30 years old I this is what happens and yeah I'm, everything goes downhill from here and i'm uncoordinated <laughs> and this is my life 
And that's what I thought it was. Yeah. I had no clue. And so it was, and it didn't happen a lot. It was like maybe one out of every like five, six games. So maybe twice in a night, if that. Okay. And then as time went on, those falls would happen more often. I noticed that my running was like kind of choppy. There would be times I was a, I was a, a, a decent shooter. I was a three point shooter. So what I would typically do is like, you know, we'd run a fast break and I would kind of trail off into the corner and they usually like lead passes and I'd, I'd find open shots or come off screens and shoot. Well, sometimes they would like lead the ball ahead and, you know, throw it ahead so I can run and get it. Well, I just couldn't reach it. Sometimes I gotcha. would go, my mind would say, go get the ball. My body wasn't listening and I would just fall over. And, or I'd catch a pass and I'd be wide open. And all of a sudden, I'd airball it by like a good, noticeable amount. And friends like, "What's wrong? You didn't have your legs under you." Like, I would, my feet weren't set, and it was like I was just kind of like your mind it. thought it was there. Right? I thought it was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then I'm like, "That's weird," and I didn't understand it. And but I did what any hard-headed guy in his 30s would do, and I ignored it. And a couple years later, it's starting to get more noticeable. Where like I'd look down at my legs, muscle mass on my legs was getting smaller. I wear yeah. like leggings under my shorts. Are you know tights if you will, and you know they were kind of becoming baggy, and they're called tights for a reason. They shouldn't be baggy, and it was it was weird, scary. And then there, my story has many turning points. First turning point was 2014. I was in Paris. Okay. I was with uh, my girlfriend at the time. Yeah, went to the Notre Dame Cathedral. There was a like spiral staircase that you go up, so you can get like a, a roof or not, it's not like a club, like a rooftop view, but like uh, a roof, bird's eye view of the city. Okay. And so I struggled mightily trying to get up the stairs. I couldn't generate the, the leg strength and power to get up, and I was exhausted, like pulling on the railing. It's it was like around New Year, so it's like winter there. It was cold, and I'm just I'm, it's cold, but I'm sweating my ass off and struggling i end up getting to the top i always it's kind of funny because i always remember this it reminded me of like a scene from the simpsons i'm a huge simpsons fan i get up there and like you know it's just like super old church but for some reason there's a random folding chair when i needed one i'm like oh cool and i just sat down in this folding chair i'm like oh that's great but i sat down and i thought to myself like something's up mm. when i go home i need to go to the doctor i have to f- address this went to the doctor in 2016 how, how many more days of the trip did you have I still had a few more days. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of struggles. We went to like, if you've been to Paris, like I'm sure a lot of walking. A lot of walking. If you've been to Paris before, there's an area called Montmartre, uh, old Paris, basically. That's like a super uh, sacré cœur. It's an old like church in another another area of the city, and it's like this stairs, like endless stairs. Okay. It's actually featured in the, in the latest John Wick movie. The, yes, yes. The stairs that he falls down. Yes, Imagine, multiple times. Yes, <laughs> um, yeah. That, electric scene by the way i i know people make fun of that i love john wick it's one of my favorite movies i love that i was i was so here for that but if you imagine those stairs i was dying trying to get those stairs it was one step at a time i'm exhausted this is so hard i come back to chicago i look up neurologists go to you know go, go to a couple doctors i didn't even know if neurology was the right area to go into yet and I saw two different doctors over a span of a year and a half, um, two different people, two different areas, and I got nothing but a bunch of medical bills. I did every test you can think of, ran through the ringer, nothing at all, no direction, and I just got fed up with it. I said, I don't don't want to do this anymore. And this is with insurance? This is with insurance, but still, all the extra costs, it was a lot. It was a lot to deal with, and... It was just frustrating. So I said, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm going to do what I always do. I work. And so I found a personal trainer hmm. who 
focused and, and worked with physical therapy and I told him my issues didn't know what was going on. I was like, my legs are just becoming weaker and weaker. Can we devise a plan to like strengthen my legs? He's like, let's do it. So we did every morning. I always had the mentality of, I hate the phrase, but it was like the rise and grind thing. I just get up every morning, 5 a.m. My idea in my head was, I have something wrong with me. If I work harder than everybody else, I'll be put in the right position. Just work. So I found this, like, I got, I had a good feeling in my heart that I'd walk out at 6 a.m. People are still sleeping, and I already got to work out in. Yeah. Like, it was just like a motivation. Sure, I'm sure. very into, like, storyline. I build storylines Did, did the PT think anything about it? Um, he didn't know. Besides just creating regimens for he, you? He was trying to figure it out. He yeah. was doing research, but he had no idea. But, it, but, but like the thing, the thought that it's like, this this isn't right. No, he no, no. He, we, oh, we both, okay. We, okay. We, I told him my situation. I gotcha. told him I went to the doctor. I told him what the deal was. Gotcha. But he, he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll check and see what we can do. For, like, and just for now, let's, let's just, just start working figure, out. Yeah, yeah, let's okay. try to do it. He wasn't like he... This was actually an actual gym. It wasn't a physical. He was a physical okay, therapist okay. on the side. So this is just the gym that I worked out at. This is gotcha. Logan Square Fitness back gotcha. in 2016. And we started working out together, and I started getting stronger. Like, I would, I remember doing some exercises, and, like, over the span of a couple months, like, I was able to lift more weight. I'm like, okay, well, we're getting some progress yeah. here. But reality was I was still falling. I couldn't get off the ground, like, without having to... I couldn't just get up. I had to push off of something or lean on something. He taught me one of the many lessons I learned over the years. Mm. Um, I was very self-conscious being at the gym because I was afraid if I maybe fall or I look weird that I can't get up in certain spots. And one time I actually remember running on the treadmill and I, you know, my body was changing. I tried to, I had to think about things that you'd never have to think about, like running, for example. I wanted to learn how to run, make sure I was running heel to toe, heel to toe. I was focusing in my head how I should look running. While I was doing that one day, thankfully there's only only a few people in the gym, but I fell while I was running on a treadmill. And I fell, I caught myself, so it didn't like I didn't it you wasn't didn't like, like a, it wasn't plant. like a car yeah, it wasn't yeah. like a cartoon thing where I went flying and like, you know, said pow and in the background. I fell, caught myself on the sides you know, shut off the emergency thing, but then I got there, I never I never got on a treadmill again. I was terrified after sure. because I'm like what the hell? Like, I didn't even know that was going to happen, and it happened. Because I was, like, thinking about it, and, like, like just, like, twitched. I'm like, okay, I don't know what this is. But Derek, uh, I almost said Derek, um, his name was Mateen. Mm-hmm. Mateen Yang was my um, trainer for a long time, and I'm going to probably forward this to him one day, because maybe he catches it and hears the story. But, so, I was so self-conscious. And he goes, dude, no one cares let me tell you about something no one's looking everybody's in here is in their own world they either have headphones on or they're more focused about themselves do not worry about what's around you so i tell people like that say they want to go work out or get into it but they're like worried about other people do not just do your do what you got to do for yourself do not give a shit about anybody else no one cares no one cares yeah and i said that in the nicest way but, but how long did it take for you to realize that honestly after he told me that it just like it hit me and i looked around and i'm like everybody's got headphones on yeah. No, one, no one cares. Okay. Then, I've always been comfortable in my own skin, but that was still, oh. there was a lot of back and forth, yeah. you know, yeah, 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 we'll, yeah. we'll learn more as the story goes on. So, you know, we did that, but it, essentially I was just putting a bandaid on something that was more serious. Okay. It helped for a little bit, but as time went on, the years pass, I'm still getting weaker and weaker. Uh, I got to the point where I couldn't get up the stairs without a railing anymore. If I was sitting down in a chair, I can't just stand up. I have to push up my upper body and... You know, I still hit it, though. Like, my friends, like, 
close friends knew something was up. I would talk to them, but otherwise, everybody else, no. It was only like a handful of people that knew something was going on. And I played it off really well. I should have won the. I should have won an Oscar for best. Now you know, award for <laughs> best. I don't even. Want to, I can't even make up the stupid category. <laughs> but it was just really just putting a bandaid on something, and everything changed in 2020 mm. for the world. Really, with the pandemic, obviously. But gyms closed. I went from being active every morning at 5 a.m. to I don't have that outlet anymore. I can't go in there. So now I'm falling more often. I'm noticing a bigger drop off. I'm falling around the house maybe a few times a week. Mm. Um, I already mentioned I can't get up the stairs anymore. I can't get out of my seat. And it's just weird. But here I am. Did you have stairs going up in, into your yeah, place? Yeah. I lived Ooh. on a. So every day I carried groceries up, uh, all this stuff. And I didn't just. How, many, how many trips? To one, one every time. Oh, oh. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a spaz. I'll put them. I'll, I line them up. I, I'm the, I'm the biggest hustler, but I'm also the, the laziest person in the world when it comes to like little tasks. I would have like, <laughs> I had bags up and around the arms. I started. I got really creative to get things up. You know, I would just like lean. The, I'd have left side would all be a bunch of bags. So basically, like say thirty pounds of stuff, and other side yeah. is pulling the railing, pulling myself up one at a time, wow. one step at a time. Get it up, get it in the house. No excuses. Yeah, I just did yeah, my yeah. thing, found ways to make the things work. Were you were you uh, single at this time, or still had a girlfriend? At this time, I was I was single. Uh, getting oh, going into twenty twenty, I was single. So okay. that the person that I was with, and I mentioned in Paris, that was like a four and a half year relationship that kind of and ended abruptly in twenty sixteen, right when I started going to the doctor. Oh, so basically, during the hardest time of my life, when I'm going to address things, I had nobody for so, unrelated reasons. Did the separation? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, she was okay. just a trash ball. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I found, <laughs> I found, <laughs> I found out some stuff. Uh, okay, know, after okay. the fact. No, I don't. I don't care. Okay, but yeah, we're better for it. Yeah, much thousand times better for it. Um, so, but during that time, I was alone. Yeah, uh, I didn't have anybody, and that was kind of the part of the reason why. Also, I didn't go to the doctor anymore because I was scared. Okay, I was truly scared. I didn't want to admit it, but I was of scared. what you might hear. I was scared of what was going on. I, I had something. Cha- my body was clearly changing. Nothing like this runs in my family. Yeah, so I'm I'm alone, and which is interesting because I, I in the comments section you are coming across people that do have it in their family, and yeah. your content is encouraging them to go seek help yeah 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 i mean we'll we'll obviously talk about that more but like i i could speak upon that like you can't you can't do it alone um and it's hard Uh, this is not easy i i didn't know anything at all about it so it during that time it was literally just me and my dog einstein i adopted Mm -hmm. uh i I adopted a rescue dog what uh, kind of dog uh wire hair dachshund wiener Mm -hmm. dog with a mohawk and a beard (laughs) Uh, for years, he was a local celebrity in Logan Square. I was just Einstein's dad. No one ever knew who I was. I would be, I, I, he'd be out and about with me all the time. I'd be, that's actually kind of how I made a lot of these connections because I like these, these were bars or restaurants I would frequent with him. Kind of like be, sporty. Yeah, he was my guy. Yeah. He was my guy. Yeah, so, yeah. but yeah, 2020 hits. Okay. Gyms close. Okay. Um, wow. I end up meeting, um, I end up meeting my current fiance, now my fiance, but my girlfriend at the time or person we just dated, we just started dating cause it was right before the pandemic. We were a pandemic couple. Um, but I met Rachel, um, love my life, oh. met her January, um, 22nd or January like 15th, 16th. We don't even know the date was kind of up the air. How did it, how did it happen? The old bumble. 
Uh, Bumble. I met on him. I met. I met my fiance on him. That's amazing. So yeah. I. I hate. I swore it off. Um, yeah. After after years of just like going on. It's rough. There's a lot of mud in there. There's, oh my god. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I had this. I never experienced a dating app until I was, you know, single. I was always in relationships, and then all of a sudden, like I'm single, and you know, I remember ghostwriting for. I, I had a blast when I was in a relationship. I was ghostwriting for my friends, setting oh, up dates. I love it but I, for yourself. For no, I never for my. It was yeah, always never, for them. It was easy. And I, but actually, I thr- I thrive in those situations. I never had a problem going on dates. I was just the quality of the people I've met was never. I never clicked with anybody. I don't want to badmouth people, but there was nobody ever that I met that was like, oh. I wish that would have worked. I just, I would go on, I found myself going on dates for the sake of going on dates. Sometimes I go on multiple dates a night. It was just a weird. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it was not why. We go not, through phases. It was, it, was weird, it was a weird time, let's just say that. But I took 2019 to myself. I said, I'm not going on any more dates. I don't want to talk to anybody. And mm. I want to just, I want to take care of myself. I had a lot of stuff going on personally, and I just needed to take care of myself better. And I did. I didn't date anybody, didn't talk to anybody, and I rose out of that. I realized that like I found my worth during that time and confidence, but I also found, I realized that I was lonely. Found your worth through what? Self, just like realizing that, like being comfortable in my own skin more. Were you listening to to things, watching things, reading things? No, it was just, just day to day being, hanging out with friends, doing, going back to the basics, just hanging out with friends with no expectations. Like, Hey, let's just, let's get the, let's get the boys together. It's beautiful. You know, just hang out with, I hang out with my friend, my friend Rick, and and his now wife Jackie, and remember having like the longest talks and laughs, just smiling and laughing and not caring about the other stuff. I just and I even put my health was like in the back burner too. Like I was trying to ignore it. And um, it was a good know, year. Good year, twenty nineteen. Yeah, it was. It was. It, uh, my really close friend, um, oh Jared, and his uh, now his wife as well, um, his girlfriend at the time needed a place to stay they were doing like a renovation on their condo okay. and i had an extra bedroom so they ended up staying from with me it was supposed to be just like a month and they ended up having like the the world's craziest drama with their place it was a, it was a mess but they ended up staying with me for s- at least six months um so i went from never having a roommate to now i'm here with my best friend how'd you go with never having a roommate i just always lived on my own <laughs> i yeah it's like Either lived at like lived at home for a long time. When I lived on my own, I, when I I just moved out and lived on my own, and okay. then it was just kind of just so that so positive was, or negative. No, it was a positive. Good. That's actually that's why I would have never. Um, I probably would have never. They're the reason why I decided to take a year and not date because I had them. I had somebody to come uh, home oh, to every night. Okay, I didn't okay. have to worry about that. I wanted to just enjoy my time with them and my other friends and do my thing. Um, <laughs> The last, the last person I, the last person I dated that, which was like the last straw, was like, I had a hilariously bad experience, and I'm like, I just, I'm done with this. I'm done with the scrap. I have, I have Jared and Joy to come home to and hang out, mm. and we, we had, I talk, still talked to him about that time that we had that year. We were just like, he worked from home. He was, uh, he was a doctor and a, a psych doctor, so he would take a lot of telehealth patients from okay. home, okay. bounce around. So he was around with me while I would work remotely. And it, we would just hang out all day. We stayed up watching basketball all night. We cooked dinners together, go out oh, to eat. We had a blast. That. I and love that. It was awesome. So, like, I, I, I didn't need It was the perfect distraction. Okay. But then they left out of nowhere one day. Like, I came home, and they're like, hey, our place is done. We're going to we're gonna go. I'm like, oh, no. I don't, <laughs> wait, what? I'm not ready. It was like, I remember, it was right before the 4th of July, and I was like, the place is empty, and I was, I was empty. I was like, oh, no, I... I don't want to be alone. Yeah. Um, 
And I never had a problem being alone. I would live alone forever. But then all of a sudden, I had a taste of like what it was like to be with people. And yeah. they were gone. And I remember, like, I packed up Einstein, my dog, and we were just like, we were out and about. Like, I would never go home. I'd be out all day, just come home at night. Where'd you go? Where would you go? Just keep myself. I'd go to bars. I'd go to bars with friends. Strangers or, or friends or? Sometimes I'd just pull up by myself yeah. with him. I'd always have him. I'd go to dog friendly bars, sit outside. Definitely or a conversation opener. Yeah, 100%. I, I'm the type of person that I could just sit at the bar. I would just sit at the bar and talk to bartenders, cool. and that's how I am anyway. Um, but that's with him. It was a built in conversation. Um, and so I just kept myself busy with him and distracted. And then eventually, like, I got comfortable again. I was okay being at home. But then, like, toward the end of the year, I started, like, reflecting. I'm like, man, not, I am lonely. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Einstein, you need a mom. Like, I can't, I, I don't want to be a single dad forever, single dog dad. Yeah. I'm like, I think I need it. And I remember having a conversation with my neighbor, my upstairs, upstairs neighbor who was single and her um, other friend who was single. We just basically ranted about uh, dating apps and, and, and dating in general. And I was just, you know, bad mouthing. I was like, ah, just, they're so stupid, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, why? How are you single? Like, you're awesome. There's no reason you should be single. I'm like, I just don't want to date anybody right now. I don't want to give it a shot. I'd rather meet somebody organically. But I just don't want it right now. They're like, Billy, you should get back out there. Just do it. Come on. Like, come on. Do it. And they was like, we had this long talk. I'm like, all right, whatever. Well, next day, I'll, I'll try it again. I download Bumble next day. Match with two people right off the bat. Uh, one person, it's just nothing ever happened. The second person ended up being Rachel. No way. And yeah, we started the conversation. Um, very funny conversation. I'm an idiot. I make the dumbest. I mean, I think you you see my social media. I I, do, I make the dumbest jokes. Um, <laughs> uh, she'll 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 but laugh. She lo- she'll but laugh she, at this. she loves this. This is a, this is. I think this is the line that brought her in. It's very stupid. So she messaged me and she's like, "Yeah, I'm like, you know, we're just small talking. Like, what do you do? What do you like to do?" And she's like, "Oh, I, I you know, I I sometimes knit." I knit baby clothes and things like that. I'll, I'll do, you know, she like I'll crochet and I'll knit. I'll knit clothes for babies. She has like, some pretty neat stuff on her page. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> my my response is like, oh, cool. I collect baby clothes. Oh, <laughs> the dumbest thing. It's that, a joke. That didn't you know scare her? No, off? she died. She oh, thought she... that she thought that was the funniest thing, and I was clearly joking. Um, <laughs> and from that point, like we end up just chatting more, and I'm getting her number. I like to just, that's how it kind of works. Like, I don't want to stay on this app. Let's just, I got her number, transition to text. She sent me a hilarious message to start. The first message after I got her number was a foot or like a leg waving, like the foot was waving at me. And I'm like, this is either a serial killer or this is the person I'm talking to. Either way, I love it. And (laughs) so I just, at that point, I literally deleted Bumble. And I said, I just want to talk to her, see what happens. And... This is right before the pandemic. We were now we went on a few dates and we were at uh, Mousetrap by uh, the, the brewery Mousetrap. I can't think of the name of the actual beer company. Middle, uh, Middlebrow or Off Color? Off Color. Off Color Mousetrap. Yeah. And my friend had a, a wine event he was doing there. And the next day, Sheltering in Place started. Oh. And so, or we got a message that it was going to start. So I said, you want to just come stay with me because I don't know where, you know, I don't, we don't know if we're going to see each other. We're now dating for a couple months and well, she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. So she ended up bringing some clothes and her cat, she lived in Lakeshore East. I live in Logan square. So it wasn't, you know, we weren't like close. That's why I'm like, why don't you stay with me? I never let her leave. I never let her leave. Uh, everything kind of clicked and, her lease was up that summer anyway, oh. so she kind of just like wrote it out and uh, 
trapped your ass. Trapped her, and now now we're uh, I'm gonna marry her. So, uh, yeah, no, it was a beautiful story. But no, and, Rachel, and the dog and the cat, they're good. Yeah, well, it was hilarious. But Einstein was so in, he was interested in her. The cat's name is Efa. She's a Efa. Okay. Yeah, she's a ragdoll cat, beautiful cat. But she's like, she's the prissy one. Um, <laughs> he's this rescue dog from the Texas-Mexico border who looks like he's more homeless now than he was when I adopted him. And so we always joke like I, I have like a you know I've. I don't know, let's call myself out, but I have stupid voices that I use for them oh, around the yeah, house. Oh, yeah, we all do. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. Aoife's like, you know, yeah. I think like, hey, I'm just shopping at Bloomies. And then, so she's just like doing that stuff all day while this guy is like, hey, he's just like <laughs> eating her fur. That's why he's such a gross dog. He's so funny. Um, but no, they click together. They ahead, they coexist. Found he, okay. he treats her like a, her like little her little his little uh, sister now. So they're cool. But yeah, that um, that that uh, relationship was was forged during um, and grew during the pandemic. But going back to my health now, I was one of my biggest anxieties was meeting someone when I don't have any idea what's going on in my body. It's scary to tell someone. It's going to oh, eventually come up. Yeah, it's going to come up because like. I can all hide it for so long. Wait, wait till there's a stairway that comes up, and then there. Why am I going up one step at a time? I remember going to the auto show with her and um, some of my friends. First time, like she kind of met my friends early on, and we went to the auto show. And I was walking, and there was like uneven ground. It was like carpeted, but it was kind of like a little bit of a ramp that I didn't see, and I fell. And I, I fell. I got up really quickly, and I played it off like, "Oh man, I don't know what that was. It was a carpet monster got me." And she was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And then I remember like a week later, she's like, hey, when you fell back there, what's what's going on? What happened? And I'm like, so I don't know. I have something going on that's been going on for years, and my legs are getting weaker and weaker, and I don't know what's up. And she was like, you, get in, you gotta go back to the doctor and figure out what's going on. But it was the pandemic. So I couldn't really just go back to the doctor. There wasn't availability. It was a whole thing. So she watched me fall constantly over the next year. Um, like at home and stuff? Uh, at home, yeah. I'd fall. And she'd hear me <laughs> hitting the ground in the kitchen. Like if, you know, she'd hear me like cooking. All of a sudden, I just hit the ground. And Would you like catch yourself? You catch yourself. Or do you not catch? Like No, sometimes I just like fall. It depends on how I fall. Sometimes like, so my... The muscles in my feet and my left foot are very weak. So, like, your okay. stability muscles. So, if I step, like, on uneven ground or, like, a pebble wow. or something, yeah. that can fall. And if that happens, I'll trigger the trigger a fall, a stumble. Like a cascade of, yes. of like, weakness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'll just, like, fall and I'll trickle, I'll fall into my butt. And it's usually a gentle fall. It's not, like, super impactful. The problem for me, which we'll get, I'll get to actually right now, is the biggest turning point in this story a day I'll remember. I'll remember this day forever. Yeah. February thirteenth of twenty twenty one. I'm probably going to get a tattoo to my arm um, at some point. But I was. We went to the Rosemont Outlet Malls. Mm. Want to get out of the house? Still pandemic, still going on. Places are still aren't fully open yet. Yeah. We just want to get out. I'm like, let's go. Let's go walk around the outlet mall or something, you know. And so we get to there, park in the parking garage. I take one step out of my car. My right quadricep, right right leg gives out. My right leg is very, my quad and hamstrings is extremely weak. Okay. And when I tell you the left side, when I go up the stairs, I'm going to go up with my left leg. Left leg is going to one that's being generating the power. So I'll, I'll go, I'll lead up with my left one step at a time. Get up a step, you know, grab sure. the railing, get up a step, and just one at a time. 
my right leg is the is the truly the weaker one. The quad, my my base, my trunk is is very weak, hamstring and quad. So like a, like a light switch, it sometimes can flicker and give out. Oh. And when that happens, I fall forward. So this time, my leg gives out. I fall forward onto my foot. I hit the ground. Now I've fallen hundreds of times over the years. I've never hurt myself. Like I've, you know, some bruises, stuff like that, but nothing ever dramatic. This time I felt a pop and I couldn't get up. Um, mm. I knew something was up. I immediately had like this rush of adrenaline over me. I am sitting in a parking garage that's cold. There's like snow and dirt and mud on the ground. It was nasty. Cars are driving by and I'm sitting there just like, oh my God. Oh my God, this hurts. Oh my God, I don't know what's going on. I feel, it feels like there's bees fluttering in my foot. Like I just, I thought I broke something. Okay. Okay. And it was just the worst feeling, weirdest feeling. But, you know, people are driving by, like, can we help you get up? I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, And I just, I pushed myself up somehow and I was able to hop to the car. I get back in the car and this is like me in a nutshell. I sit next to Rach and I'm like, give me five minutes. We'll go, we'll go shopping. She goes, (laughs) Billy, look, look down. And I'm like, what? Just look, look at your foot. And you can see from my shoe, like something pointing up. Oh, my God. I dislocated. It's called the first MTP joint in, in your foot. It's basically where your big toe is on my right foot. Big toe is sticking straight up. Um, and I'm like, oh, God. And so I take my take my shoe off, and it's excruciating pain. So I get my shoe off, and then it's like <laughs> I'm telling you like this. up The x-ray. So we end up going to the ER. Um, the x-ray was comical. It looks photoshopped. Like, I actually photoshopped my head on top of it, like, as a joke. <laughs> but it was, like, this crazy... Was it a dislocation or a fracture? Uh, dislocation. Dislocation. It's a dislocation of the first MTP joint. The ER doctor told me that there is, like, a less than 5% chance that that joint dislocates. Yeah, they're like, what did you do? He's like, like how? Huh? He's like, did you fall from a height? Did, what? Explain. I'm like, no, I literally took a step. And he goes, wow. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, man, I must be the LeBron James of stepping because, like, imagine how much force you have to generate for my it's foot. It's a very specific. Yeah, yeah, I just hit it. And, well, what happens is all my weight collapses on that, and I fall forward, and it's wow. just awkward, and I kind of, like, bent under it. So we get there. I got to get this thing popped back in. The worst pain I've ever had in They my, didn't load like, you up on some tramadol no, or anything can't. like that? They, they tried. They, well, the worst thing, too, they tried to numb the area with a, with a shot, but the problem is that area is so weird and it doesn't really help. Nerve blocks, and then yeah. The, yeah, and then the, the shot itself hurt like hell. So, I mean, I was dropping F-bombs. I said some of the, I said some of the wildest things. And then, but I took it like a trooper. I told them, give me, give me a towel, and I bit down on the towel as they, because they had to just pop it back in, and they didn't get it the first try. So I wanted to like die. Once it got back in, I, <laughs> I told everybody, I told everybody the, the feeling that went over me was like I peed, pooped, and throwed up on myself at one point, like all in one emotion. Like it was the weirdest thing. But then when it was once it was back in, it started to subside, and then it was just like gross and bruised and nasty, and I had to wear a boot and stuff, but. The doctor's like, what happened? I said, I don't, you know, I just literally took a step. And he's like, okay, well, I'm like, doc, I have an underlying issue. My legs have been getting weaker and weaker over the years. I keep falling. I have some type of muscle issue. I don't know what it is. Rachel, who was a saint and, and, and was super patient with me during that time, was like, okay, this is it. You need to go to the doctor now. Like, I'm going to reach out. Her, her friend was a neurologist at Rush who specialized in something different, but she's like, do you have any recommendations? And she got a recommendation. 
the doctor was like, I will make the appointment for you, whatever. So a week later, I go meet Dr. Jacobson at Rush Medical Center in Chicago. And he was like, okay, well, now things are different than 2016. There are genetic testing. Uh, genetic tests that are available that weren't available when you were doing this. Um, there is like a 90% chance we can get a diagnosis. And I said, okay, do, do whatever you got to do. What do we need to do? Take blood, whatever? No, he's like, no. Swab of my nose, wow. swab of my cheek. Jeez. Now, was it was it a little anticlimactic for you? Um, yeah, I was like, man, I thought I was going <laughs> like, to be in a like, cool machine or something. Like, I already had, <laughs> I had every test done. I had a biopsy. I have, a, I still have a scar on my leg. I did oh, everything. Oh man. No, but uh, the crazy thing is now, a, a week and a half later, I get a call, and it's from Rush Medical Center, and I'm driving at, the, at this time, and I get the call, and I pull over. And he's like, "Hey, it's Dr. Jacobson. I have um, I have news for you." I like, "What's that?" He's like, "I have a diagnosis." And he says, "Billy, you have what's called limb girdle muscular dystrophy 2L. It is a very rare form of muscular dystrophy that you were born with, and inherited. But by chance, you didn't didn't take shape until your you know your 30s, mm-hmm. and um, you know." We have to do a, like a, a, a search of your, your your family's history, parents' history, but I don't think it it might not even run in your family, but it's just kind of a freak thing, okay. in a way. You know, okay. they were they were carriers for it, but okay. uh, so all I'm in my car, yeah, and yeah. Walk I hang me through up, it, and then he's like, "There's," I said, "Are there any treatments?" He's like, "No." Um, I'm like, "Okay, are there any any? Uh, there's definitely no cures." I said, "Any cures?" He's like, "No." Are there any treatments? He's like. Not, not any per se. I'm like, okay. And he's like, it's progressive. Um, and I'm like, okay, what does that mean? He's like, well, it's going to get worse and worse, but there's no timetable. You could look the same. Um, five years from now, you can look very different. However, we feel like you should be able to walk your entire life, but we're, but there's no, it's so rare that there's really no roadmap or proof. Okay. And everybody's different. So it affects everybody's bodies differently. And there's like 28 different subtypes of this type of of muscular dystrophy. So mm. I hang up the phone, and I I lost it alone, stream tears, crying, um, crying relief that I got an answer finally. So I I don't have to just say I have some weird muscle thing going on, but I also now I'm faced the fact that I have a disease that is so rare um, that I have no treatments, I have no cures, and it's just going to get worse and. Um, it hit me like a ton of bricks because I had this pipe dream for a long time that I was going to wake up one morning and it was going to be fine. Mm. Uh, and now the fact that I, that wasn't going to be fine, I hit me like a ton of, ton of bricks and I was miserable. I remember going to Rachel and crying to her and say, I hope you don't leave me. Um, because I was scared. I was scared she's going to leave me and that's going to scare her away. And all I did not want to be alone during that time. Um, I'm almost getting choked up now thinking about it. And she's like, I love you. I'm not going anywhere. Shut up. You're stupid. Don't talk like that. You know, I'm not going anywhere. If I wanted, if I was scared, I would have left already. And, you know, she supported me. And so I went, you know, I ended up going to the doctor. Um, the, they have this, this muscular dystrophy clinic where I meet a neurologist. And I meet a team of doctors basically do all these tests. And we talked it out, did a genetic history, and really came to the conclusion that it was just freakish, um, unfortunately. And... So um, now I have a diagnosis. I know what I'm dealing with, but it doesn't make it any easier. I'm, I'm miserable, and I, I'm just a shell of myself. I'm mm. stuck 
thinking about what I lost, obsessing about what I lost, not about all the victories and things I've won in life, whatever is being the youngest person ESPN hired, not being the leading revenue generator for my company, not just having great friends around me and always being able to talk to me. I have a great dog, yeah. Rachel. No, I'm I'm just I can't run, I can't jump, I miss basketball. Yeah, I can't it, get it kind of, it blinds you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm just stuck. And I I uh, I after going to the clinic, um, I ended up they, they said you you're unpacking a lot right now. You should go. Have you been to therapy before? And to speak about this, I'm like, no. And I'm like, oh, let's do it. So I, I found a therapist and started going to therapy to talk it out. And I didn't realize how much I had to unpack. I had to learn. I had to grieve. I had to grieve. And I wasn't letting myself grieve. I, is this at Rush? This is at Rush, yeah. Wow. And then I eventually found a therapist somewhere else. But they oh, like, I didn't they have a social worker that's part of this, this clinic. Now, this clinic is actually spawned, is paid for and ran by the Muscular Dystrophy Association. So did that you, was. Did you know that at all? Well, I didn't even know who the Health Muscular <laughs> Association was. I didn't know what muscular dystrophy was before yeah, I got diagnosed. Yeah. But I knew so there. I knew that they were running this clinic, wow. and if I wanted to go to this any month, I can go to it and sign up for it, and they 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 fund it, they pay for it, whatever. So it was great, great resource. But that was in my that was sitting in my head. MDA. I know who this organization is now, mm. and I know that maybe if one day if there's going to be a cure, it's probably going to be because of them. So. I'll keep that in my back of my head. I'm starting to, you know, go to therapy and talk things out a little bit. Now, during now to take you back, and this is where cooking and this is where everything kind of starts to come together. There is no beginning, middle, end with the story because it is all over the place. But that's just life. It's a very natural thing. And I don't have a traditional story. Um, So I needed something. When I lost sports, I needed a new outlet. Um, I didn't have ESPN to work at anymore and get those creative juices out. I ran my dog's Instagram page. Shout out World of Einstein. That was my, that was my, that was the only thing that I had that was like giving me creativity, you know, and I would just do that just to keep my mind right. But I needed something more. I always like cooking, watch a lot of cooking shows and, I'm always a visual learner. What did you enjoy cooking at that time? Um, at the beginning, it was just like I would follow anything I can follow a recipe with, making taco. I would just basically use recipes for everything. Okay. So I would just try to make a new dish every week. I was trying to eat healthy at the time because I was working out a lot. So it was a lot of like boring stuff, like you know, roasting chicken, roasting salmon, vegetables. Stuff but the like willingness that. to try different things. But trying different things. I, I tried a new recipe all the time. Um, oh. And I would like replicate things I'd see on cooking shows and whatnot. And. As time went on, I'm like, you know, I really need to just focus myself on this because I need this. this is fun. I enjoy this. This is giving me joy during that time before I had diagnosis, before Rachel, before any of that, before Einstein even. Um, I needed that. So I started focusing on that. And I got to the point where I didn't need a recipe anymore. I can start understanding flavor, putting together dishes. Friends would come over and try my food. And they're like, oh, that's really good. So I started getting more confidence. Like you do anything in your life, if you do it more, and then especially if people start to give you positive reinforcement, you start to build confidence. So I started building confidence more and more. 2017 comes. Uh, I decided I wanted to start baking. I've never really baked before. And I wanted to make savory stuff. I didn't want to just necessarily just make cookies and sweets. I did that. But um, I wanted to learn how to make pizza, breads, stuff like that. So I started making, you know, started making bread on my own a little bit. And... Like, really, the idea in my head started to come forward. I'm like, you know what? I feel like I'm just kind of trading in my jersey for an apron, and let's get at this. So instead of, like, 
looking up sneakers. I'm looking up aprons. I'm looking up knives now. I'm getting into like you know stuff around the kitchen that like could make this better. Tools to to make it better instead of you know. Instead of watching Sports Center and watching highlights before I go to sleep, I'm watching YouTube videos and of content creators and and watching mm. cooking videos, and I'm I'm really immersing myself into this to learn. Um, eventually, start making. I uh, want to get into make pizza making, and I got connected uh, with Derek Tung, the owner of Polly G's. After dining in with them, after dining in with them there mm-hmm. when they, when Polly G's Logan Square opened, and I think I think it was 2017. Could be wrong. The end of 2016, 2017, but. Um, I end up shooting Derek a message on Instagram, introducing myself, say, hey, I came into dinner uh, for a few, you know, a few weeks ago. I really want to get into pizza making. Can you offer me some advice? I want to get into Detroit-style pizza because I feel it's like a good starting point for a home home baker. Really? Um, yeah, because com- you don't com- need a high heat oven. You can, okay. you can do it in a regular oven. You just got to buy a pan. So I figured it was a good spot. Interesting. And Because at that point, I didn't have any, like, you know, crazy outdoor ovens or anything. I sure, just literally sure. had my oven. And I ended up buying a, a baking steel uh, to put in my oven, like kind of like a pizza stone, okay. uh, but conducts heat um, better than that. So Derek was kind enough to invite me in, talk about like what pan I should get. He didn't give me like a dough recipe or anything, but he just kind of gave me some tips and got me started. And he essentially became my pizza mentor. I would start going home, make pizza, bring it to Derek. Hey, try this. I'd make a bagel. Go, hey, Derek, try this. And he would give me honest critiques. Hey, that's a little too dense. Uh, you know, that's good, but you want to maybe lighten it up a little bit. Maybe ferment it like a day or two longer. See what that works and mm-hmm. let it rise longer. So we started, I really nerded out and started teaching <laughs> myself this. And and I also just like fed people on Instagram. I didn't have a following at all. It was like a couple hundred people, just and my you, friends. You didn't get sick on pizza? No, uh, no. well, I gave away a lot because I was still trying okay. to eat healthy. So like I would like eat a slice of it, but then I would just post on my Instagram, hey, who's hungry? Wow. I didn't want to slice. And, and I people just, came? Yeah, I gave my friends. It was not strangers. It was all friends. Okay. All friends, family. I didn't have a following. It was like I didn't care about a following. Like if people at that point in my life when I, I'd post pictures of my food and stuff, if it was somebody liking my post or commenting that I didn't know, I would like block them. I was weird about that. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I wasn't in for that reason. I didn't sure, care. Sure. It was private. I never shared photos. Of, like I didn't take selfies and do video. Never. It was like, it's always a private person. And so I got better. Yeah. I find, you know, found myself getting better and better and then really immersing myself. And I, I'll equate it to basketball. I, I would go to a gym and maybe, you know, say, shoot. 100 free throws or like take 53 pointers. Now I'm making 10 loaves of bread, making pizzas and giving them away and getting repetitions at, at that. Mm. And I'm getting better. Um, now, flashing forward to 2020, the pandemic hits. Uh, there's nothing to do besides cook. So I'm only taking on these really, really long cooking projects. I'm talking. Uh, you know, curing meat for multiple days, smoking mm. briskets, making sourdough breads, pizzas, all sorts of stuff. Mm. One escape that I had was the farmer's market um, mm. to go outside and go to the farmer's market. And I loved it. And I made which, this, which one? Logan Square? Logan Square. But I go to the Green, Green City Market's great. I always like Green City a little bit more just because they have a, just a larger amount of vendors and such. But I would go every Saturday morning to Green City and then Logan on Sunday and... I joke that like when I go to farmers markets, I black out and I just get excited. I see all these like heirloom tomatoes and all these peppers, things you don't normally see, seeing ramps and things I never even heard of. And I remember coming home one time with like five pounds of shishito peppers for some reason. 
I'm like, what the hell am I going to do with all these shishitos? What was the initial thought, though? Like, why shishito? I, I, loved, I loved roasted shishitos. I loved like, roasted shishitos. Like, like, as an appetizer? Yeah, as an appetizer. Okay. I've had it numerous times. Fantastic. Yeah, so easy, just one bite. I'm like, I love the so flavors. So that was the original intention of, like, I'm just going to make yeah, roasted, roasted shishitos shishito. or something. Oh, that's, all, that's all it was. But then when I come home and I, like, have, like, I like, dumped it in his head. Like, I'm telling you, like, a hilarious amount of shishito peppers. And I'm like, all right the hell do I do all these peppers? <laughs> like, this is weird. So, this is at the point in my life now, though, I am confident in my understanding of flavor. And I feel like I can execute things more. And I take chances, and I will create my own things. And so, I started thinking in my head, like, what can I do with these? Like, okay, let me make a sauce out of this. So, I started thinking, there's a there's a Mexican dish called rajas con crema, and it's essentially poblano prep, uh, poblano peppers, onions, garlic, uh, cooked down with heavy cream, and then some like, cotija cheese. Mm. And it's usually uh, filling and like a lot. Of, it's you find it in Mexico City a lot, and uh, in, in tacos and um, quesadillas and such. And I was like, okay, maybe I can use that kind of like a roadmap a little bit, but let me mess with it. So I used shallots instead of onions. I like the flavor of a shallot. I used thinly sliced garlic. And then I roughly chopped the shishito peppers, keeping them kind of chunky. And so I cooked those down with some salt and pepper olive oil. And then I decided to add the heavy cream and make it a cream sauce. So I had these like cream shishito peppers, you know, reduce it and then take it off. I added some Parmesan cheese instead of cotija cheese, mm. just to give it a little different flavor, a little nuttiness, a little umami flavor. And then I add a little nutmeg because uh, I learned that nutmeg goes great with like bechamel sauces and cream sauces. So it's just uh, you know a nice little warmth, warming wow. spice. Yeah. And so I made this sauce, this like rich, chunky sauce, coarse sauce. And then I'm like, all right, what the hell do I do with the sauce? But I'm making pizzas a lot now. So uh, I'm like I'm I'm decided like to make a sheet pan grandma style basic pizza nothing special just you know I have dough out I'm gonna add some mozzarella cheese to it and then it's summer corn and peppers usually go well mm. so I'm like okay corn and peppers so yeah it was the initial version was sheet pan pizza mozzarella cheese shishito sauce corn and um, and uh, and then yeah that, that was and some scallions that's it. I tried it. The flavor was awesome. Nothing like I've ever tasted before, um, but it was very rich. It was a very heavy pizza. Okay. I brought it to Derek. Derek, you got to try this. He tries it. He's like, you're on to something. That's really good, man. It's like, you've made that sauce? I'm like, yeah, it's just a shishito pepper cream sauce. He's like, I love it. He's like, that's, that's good. So flash forward now, that's 2020. 2021 comes March, uh, March 13th of uh march 12th excuse me, march 12th of 2021 i'm diagnosed with limb girdle and a couple months later still going through the doldrums not myself sure. kind of miserable um birthday just passes just turn 30 uh what 30 yeah 38 and at that time at that yeah no 30 just turned 39 just turned 39 at that point um, no, thirty-eight. I can't even get my math right. Yeah, I'm turning. I'm turning forty <laughs> next month, and I'm terrified. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm terrified. I, terrified? Yeah, because I've like, been I, through the thick of it. What else are you got terrified for? What I don't like, know. <laughs> I still know I'm in my 20s and it scares me. Like growing, you know, growing up is scary. Uh, so, but yeah, I was still kind of going through some stuff. But I 
I was making a lot more pizzas at this point, and make I'm making Detroit style pizzas, doing a lot, learning how to make tavern style, and I'm I'm comfortable and I'm I'm confident in my pizza making abilities, uh, and bread making and such. So I decided to bring that pizza back and do it over, but I'm like I can make this better. Um, so I decided to do a couple tweaks. I kept the sauce the same. I had mozzarella and then I added cheddar because I like I like the, the the fat that it brings in and the color. I'm like that would just look kind of cool. Yeah. I kept the corn. It was great. It needed some acid, so I added pickled jalapenos to cut all the richness of that uh, of the cheese and cream. And then I decided to make it a Detroit style pizza because I'm like, you know, this would be really cool with like crispy caramelized cheese edges. Frico. Yeah, the Frico. Mm. Um, I wanted to get my freak on, so I'm like, let's just do that. <laughs> and so I uh, I tossed it in the oven, you know, baked it off, and then I cut it into squares. I have these like beautiful burnished super dark edges and then i'm like all right some scallions on top and i decided to put a whole roasted shishito pepper on each slice as a garnish and then i have this pizza i'm like i take a bite of it and i go, <laughs> i don't know can i swear yeah i go i take a bite I'm like fuck that pizza's good that is fucking good <laughs> and i'm like that's awesome i like that that's really really good and i had derek try it again he goes, dude, this is good. This is real good. <laughs> and so I'm smiling. Like, I'm happy. I created something that's fun. Like, those cooking helped me get through that uh, that yeah. time. I, when I make a good dish and something come out right, joy. Sparking joy. I'm happy. In those moments, I'm happy. I'm not thinking about the other stuff. A couple months later, uh, I'm now in Emerald Isle, North Carolina. Rachel's originally from Greenville, North Carolina. Her family go down to the beach every summer. What are the odds, huh? Uh, yeah, it was crazy. So, so yeah, Southern girl to me, you know, city boy, um, you know, Chicago guy, Middle Eastern, which is I'm, I'm like the whitest Middle Eastern person of all time. Uh, so, like, you have this, like, Southern girl dating this Middle Eastern guy from the south side of Chicago. Their parents thought I was, like, a mix between, like, Bin Laden and... And like Chief Keef. They had no idea. It was like the funny. They had no idea. They just see the things on the news. They have no idea. But it was very funny. Our, our, our relationship was great. We worked together really well. But I get I end up being on the beach. And um, I end up getting a call from Derek. Who never calls me. Never. I don't think I've received a phone call once. I'm like, hey, man. You call me by accident? He's like, no, no. We're doing a, doing a charity event called uh, Slice of Summer. Um, for Slice Out Hunger raising money for no kid hungry and uh feeding um childhood food insecurity uh throughout the country and we're celebrating the best home pizza makers i think you're one of the best i'm picking seven would you like to be in this event i said yes before a sentence was up i didn't even know what he was saying i'm like i'm in uh i needed something i was excited and then he's like i want you to make that pepper and corn pizza you make i'm like okay cool now i've never worked in a kitchen never worked in a restaurant um never worked in a professional kitchen yeah so Although I've watched a lot of cooking shows and I've taken a lot of food content. So I knew how to respect the kitchen, a professional sure. kitchen. So like I made sure like I, I came in prepared. I had every I already knew my recipe was already done. I've tested a million times. So like when we and I did our R and D together, it was more like you just want to test to make sure that this dough cooks right in the oven. Otherwise you and I to make everything. So I made 14 pizzas at this event, um, and there's some really talented people there. It's a paid event, um, so it's the first time people are paying for my food. Mm. And made 14 pizzas every single slice. Was that more than you've ever made in one one? Oh, dough? totally. Yeah, yeah, I've only made like so. Maybe, learning how to scale. Oh, everything, everything. I had to make a major ba- big batch of sauce, all that stuff. I've only made like maybe four or five at one time, if that. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't like back to back to back kind of thing. So I uh, made the pizzas. 
I spoke about it at the event, you know, just talked about what's on it. People were coming up to me saying this is the best pizza they've ever had. They were blown away. Do you have your own place? What is this? This is insane. And I'm just like smiling. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> and and Derek, for a long time, I always bugged him. I'm like, I want to have a pizza on your menu. I want to have a pizza on your menu. I want to name a pizza. I just want to name a pizza. So I initially called this pizza the Sheesh That's Corny. The Sheesh That's Corny was the initial name for this pizza. And he's like, let's put the Sheesh That's Corny on our menu in November. We have a spot. Mm. Uh, you want to put it on the menu? I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. So I'm like smiling ear to ear. I'm so happy. I'm starting to navigate like life a little bit more now, um, you know, just with going to therapy and such. But I'm still definitely not like, I'm not my current state. I'm, 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 I'm getting there a little bit, you know. And two weeks before the event, now it's just going to be on the pizzas on the menu, nothing more, nothing less. I'm walking my dog, I send in my neighborhood, and old pal LGMD takes its. Uh, <laughs> Takes its limb, uh, rears its ugly limb head. girdle. Yeah, limb girdle <laughs> landed uh, to show, rear its ugly head, and I lost my balance and fell. Okay. And there's a woman who was walking behind me. She saw me fall, and she did nothing. She looked at me and kept walking. And now I'm on the floor, on the ground, concrete, with my dog next to me, who's sitting like a sweet boy, just like sits right next to me. And so it's like, look, he's looking around, and I'm fine. I didn't hurt myself or anything, but I pulled myself up from the fence that was next to me and I got back up and I was triggered. And if I, okay, I would maybe, even if you paused after you saw someone fall, but after seeing them struggle so hard to get back up, you got to ask like, what you do need help? You know, it was a weird move. Honestly. Um, I was, I was furious with her, but I was actually more furious with myself. Um, the reason was told you before I was acting like nothing was wrong before my diagnosis, even after I like announced it on, on, I shared it on Instagram. I figured, you know, Rachel was like, you should just, you should say something because you never know who you can, you can impact. Wow. You know, a lot of people you just, and I didn't have like, again, I didn't maybe a couple hundred followers. If that, I didn't have a following or anything, but they're like, you know, a lot of people and you just never know, Billy, you've, you made a lot of friends and acquaintances over the year. You could talk over the years. You could talk to anybody, do it. And in my head, I'm like, I would love to advocate one day, but I, didn't want to be this fake-ass advocate who's going to say this is all good and great when I'm not even comfortable with my own skin. Sure. So I didn't want to. I wasn't ready yet. But in my, in my back of my mind, is like I wanted to do something. But mm. I still was acting like nothing was wrong. And I, I wasn't really acknowledging. I wasn't talking about it. And I got sick of that. I got sick of hiding who I was. And so I called Derek. And I had this epiphany. And I said, I want to rename this pizza. He's like, what do you want to name it? So I want to name it the Tripping Billy, and he goes, "Oh, Dave Matthews Band fan." <laughs> I go, "Nope, not at all." There's a song by Dave Matthews called Tripping Billies, and I think there's actually even like a cover a cover band. I, I learned this after the fact, but there's a cover band that Dave DM, DMB cover band that does. Uh, they're called the Tripping Billies. Um, so cease and desist, uh, those guys. Uh, but I uh, I decided I wanted to call it the Tripping Billy. Because I have muscular dystrophy, I lose my balance and fall. I would love to share my story of reinvention through food and through cooking. And maybe I can turn this shitty, weird time into something positive. And maybe I can make an impact. And I said, Derek, can you just donate like a dollar or two for the, of the pizza to the MDA? Um, the reason I want to get the MDA involved was because of those care clinics. And they're the yeah. number one non-voluntary... The number one voluntary... Um, 
organization in the country that is working to find a research for, and tre- for treatments and a cure for muscular dystrophy, for ALS, and over 50 different neuromuscular diseases. They are the people that are trying to help put people like myself, children and adults that are affected by these neuromuscular diseases, in the best position to succeed. Whether it is Man. needing like a wheelchair or needing assistance or whatnot. So yeah. I figured my life moving forward, if there's ever going to be a cure, it's probably going to be because of them. I said, so you know what, maybe I should... Let me see if I can give back to them and 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 do that. So, how much you guys uh, raised that that night? We did it. It was going to be on the menu for the, actually for, we did it for a month. Oh. So we sold 149 pizzas, um, which was great because it was like it was November. They were closed around the holidays. How long, how long did it take you to teach the staff how to make it? Uh, I would go in there a couple weeks earlier. I, I I made the sauce, then showed them how to make the sauce, gave them like my recipe and stuff. And that part of you was cool. Like, yeah, just oh like, yeah, I was fine. I, I didn't care. I mean, I, I wasn't thinking at the time, so I was like, this is what it is. And then, but if you can share, just like what what was the deal breakdown between what you would get and what Polly G's would get? Oh, I didn't get anything. I, it wasn't wow. it wasn't about me. It was just going to be on the menu. All all I asked for was I haven't made a penny off of any. Was he of my willing? Things. Oh yeah, he was great. He was like, yeah, I, he's like. He, no, no, we didn't talk about that. I never even wanted that. You never even wanted. No, it was never about that. I didn't care about that. You just I, asked for that donation. I just asked for a donation. I just wanted the platform. Ultimately, what I wanted was eyes and ears. Okay. I figured if I can share my story with his audience, um, maybe that can happen and they could turn into something. Uh, when did the seed plant? Uh, when was the seed planted for when you could turn this into a viable business, though? So it wasn't even even to this day. It's not necessarily even a business. I'll I'll tell you the transitions, obviously. But after we did the pizza, I started like right, actually right before the pizza. I wanted to start. If I do anything, I go all in. Mm. And I started using my old everything I've learned in my life, my media skills, media training. When I was in the media, I was on the other side of receiving pitches. I would be the one getting emails saying, "Hey." Would you be interested in having so and so on the show to talk about this product, or you know, have this player on, or whatever? And so I'm like, okay, I know how to, I know how to receive pitches. Let me pitch the media and see if I can get some people involved and get some eyes and ears on this. So I got Block Club Chicago. Mina Bloom wrote a interviewed me and wrote a story on it. And how did, did you know her personally? No, I just DM'd her and shared my story and I asked her if, if would you be interested. Okay, um, cool. I, I emailed her, I actually emailed her, and I DM people. I, I just... It just doesn't hurt, right? No, it doesn't. No, I don't care. Say no, don't answer me. It doesn't matter. I'll do whatever. I had to try, um, and that's what I needed to do. So that, that happened first. Then I started my own little social media campaign where I would send my... I would send friends my post and say, can you just repost this? Just simply post this in your story. And then I would send it to friends of friends. They would send it to friends of friends. And then I would like start DMing like chefs in the city like famous chefs and like media people and say hey i know you don't know me but this is my story can you simply just share this do you, Instagram do you remember post? any that actually gave you a lot of support like more support than you thought i mean i don't i don't i'm not going to name names but there's i i don't want to I, I don't want to call out anybody but there was like only one person who didn't share it literally everybody else did so um and i won't i won't i won't call out who didn't do that it's not that's poor tack but uh we can talk about it off there but um no i had uh obviously derek the pizza community was great and then just like places and restaurants i would frequent i would just like send them messages yeah it's a good place to start but even like like chef joe flam um i i didn't know him but i i knew him from from top chef and everything he shared it in his story um you know local media members nick kimblesberger um everybody that 
everybody's super cool about it and they're like yeah. they see the cause and there's nothing there's nothing for me to gain in it besides attention i just wanted eyes and ears um and mm. so that happened eventually i got on wgn tv mm. and i cooked the pizza um on tv and shared my story uh, that was through a friend of mine in college who works in pr he helped me get connected with that but all of a sudden i started gaining momentum Pizza sold really well. People liked it. And then I started realizing, I started getting comfortable speaking about it. I, I wasn't comfortable speaking at first. But then, like, I went on, I went back, I made my return to ESPN Radio, and I went on uh, the night show, which was the Chris Black and Adam Abdallah show. As a show, guest. As a guest. And so these guys, Chris Black and Adam Abdallah, were producers when I was a producer. We all were the wow. same age. Now they're hosts. They're wow. big time. They, they're awesome. They're on the air now. They actually had, they just interviewed Ryan Poles today on their show, the GM oh, of the wow. Bears. Yeah. So these guys have made it, you know? And I, if I stay there, I might have been on the same track with them, but I just didn't want it, you know? And they had me on as a guest, and I, I had a nine minute interview with them, and I, I, I was nervous. How do you choose what to say in nine minutes? I don't know. I just kind of like, <laughs> I, it's my, it was my life. It was my, it's my life. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. I just wanted, I need the condenses. And I, I did it. I did a really good interview. I've never really done it. I've never done a radio interview at that point. And they, I, you know, Adam's my guy, and he messaged me. after. Oh, he's cool. like, dude, that was insane. That yeah. was really, really good. And they started getting, he's like, we're getting flooded with texts and people asking what your social media is. And they started, I got, a, I got like a bunch of new followers from that. And I realized then, like, I'm starting to become confident. My voice has power. Yeah. I realized that, like, you know, I worked in media, and I, I, I didn't really feel comfortable speaking when I was on the radio. When I worked in radio, I, my voice was on some stuff, but I didn't like my voice. I mumbled a lot. I felt like I spoke really quickly. Mm. I didn't have power. And all of a sudden now, 10 years later, faced with the weirdest news of my life, I realized my voice has power. And maybe I can do something with this. And you know what? Maybe food is the tool. I really wanted to do something food-related for a while. And I said, maybe this is it. And I had the idea of... Maybe I can start to collaborate with restaurants around yeah. the city to share my story, to raise funds and awareness, and hopefully share my story of reinvention and give someone that boost that's going through some stuff, regardless if it's, regardless if it's health or not. If you're going through a change, you can reinvent yourself by finding what brings you joy. The kitchen brought me joy when I didn't have anything else, and I lost my other things I loved. Maybe running is your joy. Maybe gardening is your joy. Whatever it is. Find what makes you happy and go after it. And that was my message initially. And then I just started working it. I started messaging people. Next, I did a collaboration with my first one ever, Spinning Jay. Uh, shout out to uh, Diana Grossman. Wonderful. She gave me the chance. And I did what I call the best egg, the best egg sandwich in Chicago. And I still think to this day it's the best egg sandwich in the city. And we sold that out back-to-back weekends. I got connected with Jim Graziano of J.P. Graziano, who's become now my friend and, like, my brother in the, in the past. I, I, become, I, I uh, told him we should do a do a Jarnera episode. Oh, you have to. Yeah, I, <laughs> I joke now. So, Jim, we did a sandwich together, and that, that – that, it started springboarding, but I've, over the years now, I've become his, I call myself my, I'm Jim's Jard influencer, uh, <laughs> because I literally put his Jardinera on everything, and like, I find weird, inventive ways to use Jardinera. Um, but yeah, I started rolling. What's and, the, and, and the common thread is what, is it the cream sauce or shishito pepper? N- no, so it started, it, the pizza. Through it, all the food. Well, no, they're, the, they're, it, they're different things. So okay, like the pizza, okay. the pizza itself, early on at least. So early on, it was the Tripping Billy at Polly G's, 
a breakfast sandwich that I made at Spinning J. No shishito in that. No shishito at all. Nothing there. Yeah, it was just. It's just your creation. Just my creation. I, I started making breakfast sandwiches at home. Okay. And I would post about it. I said, I'm going to make the best egg sandwich in the city. And people started like, you know, I started getting more followers and they started what, seeing my What cooking. was it on? A bagel? A egg muffin? No, like it was English a, muffin? It, it, was a, it was a hard scrambled egg on a brioche bun with a Calabrian chili aioli and a ton of Parmesan cheese, like a blizzard of okay. Parmesan. <laughs> and arugula um, and that was and I, I I did different tests I did one with like pork belly one week and oh, I did what? like um, yeah I did like a kind of a Korean style pork belly with kimchi I messed around and I did like polls and said who which one do you guys think is the best and they're like that one's the best that's awesome I did my own I did one day I sold I decided to sell I said I'm gonna, I'm gonna I made it I, and I made the bread myself I did all the I made all the brioche myself oh, so wow. I made 12 loaves of bread and I said I'm gonna make 12 breakfast sandwiches and I'm gonna put them up Minimum donation, $20 to the MDA. Donate what you can. Hmm. Okay? And I just raffled spots off really quickly. Got them sold up right away. I raised $250 from 12 sandwiches. So that was cool. And then I realized, like, this is a cool sandwich. Let me, let me pitch the idea. And someone tagged um, Spinning J. They're like, you should try to collaborate with Spinning J. And that's when I started the conversation. Okay. And that goal. So that was that. Jim Graziano and I at JP's, we did a sandwich that uh, we just we just called it the Tripping Billy, but it had nothing to do with the pizza. Okay. It was um, mortadella, fontina cheese, um, giardinera mayo, or giardinera aioli, whatever you want to call it, um, some lemon-dressed lemon greens, some arugula, and then I made what I called Billy's basil oil. So I made this like really herby basil oil, and that was that sandwich. And it, and so it, how much creative freedom do you have with these? A hundred percent. I I come, I come up with the so my whole thing is I come up with the the sandwich they try it if they like we can tweak things if they you know things that aren't right but I'm the one that comes up with the ideas and I just I basically all I wanted and and then still to this day I just want eyes and ears it's like yeah but that that process it's got to feel good oh it's the best yo and I'm 100 percent knowing that it's mine and I'm creating it, that's it fills in the blanks yeah. I love this oh yeah so yeah and then that started more and then I realized okay like. I decided to bring back the Tripping Billy again. This time, I did it with um, pizza-friendly pizza in Ukrainian village. I still haven't. I've only had them at the uh, Salt Shed. I haven't had them. It's really good. It's good stuff. They they make the Sicilian-style pizza. So we did a Sicilian-style version of the Tripping Billy. Same same topping, same same sauce and everything. And that crushed there, too. And I'm like, okay. The Tripping Billy is a thing. (laughs) This is kind of cool. And then I did another sandwich. No, last time I just started doing more sandwiches that weren't always... Shishito stuff like that. I decided to launch the Tripping Billy tour, where I wanted to take my pizza and have it at different pizzerias. I want to have the best of the best pizzerias in the city, and reinvent it like my life, where I reinvented my my life. I wanted to reinvent my pizza in different styles. So, mm. like you see a tavern style, you see mm. a deep dish, a mm. New York style, mm. a piece, you know, a New Haven style, whatever it is. Recreated it. Essentially, the toppings stay the same, but it's packaged differently. So, what you've done, Millie's. Robert's Pizza Company. I've done Zaza's. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to count them on my fingers. So I've, that's, I've done Pauly G's twice. Oh, nice. Because um, we did it once so initially, and then we did the, we got, the year we celebration. Got Detroit. Yeah, we did the Detroit twice. That was the original version of it. Then we did Crust Fun. Jonathan Carruthers, who does uh, Tavern Style at his house, and we've become friends oh, sick. now. Okay. So that was a tavern style. Then I did it with um, Table Donkey and Stick, a restaurant that's not known for pizza. But they did pizza during the pandemic. It was kind of a Sicilian style. That was a second stop. I did it with pizza fried chicken ice cream, who is oh. now known as Kim's Uncle's Pizza Out. In, uh, what? Yeah. So we, yeah, we, we did it them. there. So that was tavern style. 
June, we did Middle Brow, which is kind of like a sourdough. Oh, I, have, I still style. haven't been. I heard amazing things about Unreal, the Unreal, and they do taverns on Tuesdays. Um, we went to New York, and we did... Wait. Not, no, not actually New York, but we did New York-style pizza with Pizzeria Lobo. Okay. Oh, okay, um, okay. Then we did it with Millie's Pizza in the Pan. Wait, Andersonville, right? Uh, no, we no, was Logan what? Square one. Now they have one in Andersonville. Oh, They just okay, opened okay. one there. Okay. So we did New York-style there. Millie's Pizza in the Pan, so that was wow. a pan-style pizza. Yeah, Obviously, still haven't like, been there. Oh, it's amazing, and you'll never meet a nicer person. Oh. Uh, Robert's awesome. Um, then, uh, so after Millie's... Then we went to Peace Pizza. Nice. Went to Zaza's. Awesome. And then Robert's Pizza and Dough uh, this year. That's 10 so far. Um, yeah, I'm trying to... I feel like I'm missing some, though. But, like... But you, I ended up having 12 stops, essentially. Is there... Is there, like... Is it hard to reach, like, the people behind, like, Pequod's or Lou's or... So there's certain places that I won't... Uh, oh, that you won't. Well, there's certain places I won't do because... Not that I don't want to do. I literally have my pizza everywhere, but... There's certain places that just don't do that style of pizza. They're not. They're not like I'm not going to go to a Pequod's um, because they don't have any white pies or non non red sauce pies. So I don't want to. It would be cool as hell to do that, but I. It's just in like even like Vito and Nick's. Yeah, iconic. I grew up in that area. I would love to have a pizza with Vito and Nick's, but they don't do like cream sauce pizzas. So I don't want to put. I it's. I just know it just may not work at certain places, so those are off limit. You know, I just won't even. Did did pizza fried chicken ice cream do white white uh, white sauce? Um, they didn't do white sauce, but I kind of explained. You know, you know, but certain places are open to more. Yeah, it's like a trendier spot. I I, I mean, I don't want to say trendier. It's like a bad thing, but it was. You know, they're. They're, they're open to collapse. Yeah, they're it's open. Like, a, they're open to collapse. One hundred percent. They were super cool with me, and then we yeah. and we crushed it. So, but yeah, I've had it. I've had it at twelve spots now. That's um, amazing. And that's just pizza. You that's, know, that's just that's just that pizza. And now over the years, flash forward. Now, it's been a year and a half since I started. I've done thirty total collaborations, including the pizzas. Oh. I've had my own beer. Uh, I did a beer with Odia Sellers, a beer collaboration. Um, you know, all sorts of sandwiches, and again, pretty cool ice cream. Pretty cool ice. I just had an ice cream bar. I had, I had a hilarious week, like two, like of last month. It was comical. JT twice. JT twice. I, the my my number one best selling collaboration besides the Trip and Billy was a sandwich I did called the D Rose. Um, it was a Chicago style. It's a Chicago chopped cheese. Ooh. So essentially, I called it D Rose after Derek Rose, who played with plays with the Knicks. So it was like the heart of Chicago, D Rose. Uh, with a New York staple, the chopped cheese. That oh. was why I called it the D-Rose. Um, but it was a chopped cheese with Jardinera, Jardinera seasoning, and Ooh. then I had a Harold's Chicken Mild Sauce Mayo, uh, like aioli mixed in. So oh. I wanted to take a little, little, little ode to the, the from Parks of the City. So I've raised 38000 for the MDA now in a year and a half. I've done all those collaborations. I just got, I just won the, I got voted for People's Choice uh runner-up in the Chicago Tribune for biggest cult food following, yeah. which is wild. And the MDA was like, early on, was like, wait, who's this guy and why were you just getting checks sent to us? They had no idea why there's there just money coming in. And then they reached out to me and they're like, can you tell your story? And I'm sure I told them what's going on and who I am. And they're like, wait, and you're, and you're doing this all alone? And I'm like, yeah, I just did this on my own and I just decided to speak out. And they're like, and you just got diagnosed when? I'm like, like not even I don't know, eight months ago. They're like, and you're processing this, and you're okay to do it. I'm like, yeah, let's just, I'm just doing it. I'm learning on the fly, and, and I'm grieving on the fly, but I want to do this. And like, would you be interested in being our ambassador for Illinois? Um, we feel like 
you're kind of like a heaven sent for us. You don't, you're not asking us for anything. Like you don't need resources. You're just doing it. I'm not asking them. They'll share stuff, but I don't like, Hey, I need, I need marketing help. I do this. I literally just, I started just doing it on my own and I found comfort in my own skin where remember I told you I was private before. Yeah. Never shared a selfie, never did videos. All of a sudden I realized, you know what? I gotta show my personality off. Yeah. So I started showcasing myself and really truly becoming me. Photoshopping Einstein's head on video on, on, on videos and saying like you know stupid videos I make all day that I find are funny that honestly I don't care if anybody else finds if they're funny I laugh at them if they're funny to me and I find joy in it I put it out there and I I trust myself that I have a pretty good sense of humor that someone's gonna laugh and yeah. it's cool and if they don't I don't care I do it for me because it makes me happy and I feel like anybody who's creative if you do something if you you host your podcast and you had a great episode you thought was good, but maybe it's not received well. I, who cares? Mm. You're happy with it. That's your art. That's your creative side. Be happy with what you did. And that's, I believe that. I believe that always. Ever since I worked ESPN2 now, I don't follow trends. I'm so anti against that. I like to just do things that are my way. And I don't care if it takes me longer to grow a following or whatever my Yeah, because growth is. isn't linear. No. It's, it, it, comes, it comes in waves. Sometimes it feels exponential. Uh, 100%. And then you plateau for a little bit and then you... Yeah, you, know, you just gotta. Be, it's gotta be organic. Everything I do is or, is organic, and it is truly me. You meet me outside in the real life, and you meet me online. I'm no different. I'm me through and through. And so this this wild ride of food and you know doing these collaborations has, you know, helped me navigate the hardest time of my life. So going back to it, when I said I'm having the time of my life during the hardest time of my life, I have become part invested into the Chicago food scene where I'm known. People are reaching out to me now to do collaborations, not me hustling every second to make calls to do that. I started doing cooking streams with a site called Kitsch, uh, which is essentially like Twitch streaming. And they have big time content creators, celebrity chefs, and people involved. And here I am, person who does this, you know, in this free what are you, time. What are you cooking? Uh, I do a sun- I do something called the Sunday Sandwich Series, where I make a different original sandwich every Sunday, called wow. a new recipe, all sorts of stuff. I showcase what I can. I've done pizza recipes. I I feel like I can teach really well because I learn from creators. So I feel like if you know a professional chef teaches you something, it may not be as approachable. The language might be a little weird. The verbiage, the techniques. I can make something approachable because I learned in a whole different way, and I like that. I like to pass on knowledge. And when even like when I watch videos nowadays, I hate like ninety percent of like food content on the internet um, because a lot of it's just like nonsense, like slamming things down and like loud quick noise, cuts, yeah. quick cuts, slam things down. You know, guys slapping meat for some reason, all this like <laughs> weird stuff. Like it's so stupid. I hate it. I truly hate it. So. I like because I like to learn, and you don't learn anything in that stuff. You just like you see, it's just quick entertainment, but there's nothing, there's nothing to it. There's no soul to it, and so, yeah, I've been able to do this now, and I've been built a a name for myself with this, and even like with the kitsch, I'll do. You know, I my streaming numbers are like some of the best on their site, and they have big time people in there, and they're like. It's because you have people relate to you. They like your. They may not relate to your story, but they like you. They like your personality, the way you're approaching, putting it out, and you clearly are just having fun. Mm. And so I, I just say, if I can, ins- if I can make you laugh, if I can hopefully inspire you, and you know, I'm here for it because I needed something before. And honestly, I feel like there's no damn good news in the world anymore. So let me let me be the one to 
to give that news. You know, maybe maybe I can provide that one percent boost. Whether you're inspired by my story, you laughed at something I posted, or you're just like, "Oh, that pizza was really good." You know, thank you for doing that. You know, whatever. I don't care. I'm, I don't have time. By by this time, um, are you making any? money a livable wage through this profit or the through this revenue because i think one of the last episodes i, I listened to you were in the process of making a website i'm still doing that uh i'm just i'm the worst i need help with but that. like so, what what yeah well, what, so this what, this is the plan so this is where i'm at now yeah you know a year and a half into this and i've i've built a name and i've like been you know knock on wood i'm like I, things i do sell out like quickly it's yeah. wild like that jt's genuine sandwich Chris, the owner, one of the sweetest men in the world, uh, he, I gave him his busiest week he's ever had. Like, busiest week last year was because of the sandwiches. We sold 289 sandwiches in, like, four days. Um, he's like, we had to close early a couple days. You cleared us out. And he's like, we can't do that sandwich anymore either. It's retired. If you go into JT's Genuine, there's a bag that he wrote, like, uh, the oh D-Rosa. Oh, my God. Like, we, hanging up the bag can, on the yeah, rafters. We did a whole, I have a video where I used uh, Green Day uh, Good Riddance, uh, you know, had the time of my life. And we, like, raised it slowly up. It was great. And I just, like, give the sign off to it. Um, it's very, very funny. But um, That's hilarious. Yeah, I, uh, I realized, okay, now I have a platform. And, you know. I would love to have a career in food. I enjoy this. I don't want to work in a restaurant, though. I'm not trying to own a restaurant. I'm not trying to open up, uh, you know, have pop-ups and run that as a, as a full-time thing. Physically, it's hard on me. Yeah. I, you know, I did a pop-up with Sugar Moon Bakery. Um, did my own tavern-style pizza pop-up. But I had the... I didn't even tell you this. Uh, I, I, I have a rational confidence. Mm. I, I will shoot my shot in any situation that I don't care anymore. Um, I'm, I don't, I have it, like, I truly don't care. If you say no or you don't see it, cool, I don't care. But I have manifested everything I said I was going to do in the past year and a half. And I've said a lot of wild things, and they all came true. One of which was, I talk about Kenji Lopez and, mm. and how I've learned his, The Food Lab is one of my favorite books. I learned so much from that. I watch his videos of him at home during the pandemic with his GoPro in his head, watching him make all sorts of recipes. I'm like, I love it. I love it. It'd be so cool to talk to Kenji one day. It'd be really cool or again to meet him. Well, he posted on his Instagram um, a few months back that he's coming to Chicago because he's working on a tavern-style pizza recipe. And I make a lot of tavern-style pizza. So he asks, where should I go in Milwaukee and Chicago to try tavern-style? And I say, hey, Kenji, you got to try mine. And I don't think he's going to see it. Well, I don't think he did see it, but... A guy named Dave uh, Lightman went with uh, Windy City Pie out in Seattle. His friend of his saw it. He heard of me through John's uh, Cross Funds, uh, John Crothers Cross Funds uh, collaboration, and he's like, DMs me. I'm in, I'm in the Greenville, North Carolina airport. Everything happens, by the way, when I'm in Greenville, and I just like get like news. Yeah. So um, I didn't even think about that till literally, literally right so now. Funny. Two pizza breaks happened yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah. So I'm in the airport. I got a DM, and he's like, "Hey, can you have? Uh, yeah, I did. I forgot you made tavern style. Can you have dough ready for us on Tuesday?" I'm like, "Yeah, I can. I, I can. I'm, I'm not even going to come back till Monday night. Well, they don't so, know. I have that. no idea. So I'm like, "Yeah, whatever. The future me will figure it out." So I end up having. Uh, he's like, "Yeah, we'll." Uh, it's for real. We'll stop by. So I wow. called at the time. My pizza was at Zaza's, and I called the, the boys from Zaza's. I'm like, "Hey, can I like Facetime you and like walk you through my dough? I need to get dough in the fridge like asap." And he's like, "Sure." So I walked him through my dough process, and they made dough for me. But I made my pizza for for Kenji, and I had made the tripping Billy. I made a tavern style tripping Billy, not the, the Detroit one, but made a tripping Billy and a sausage and jar. 
he tried tripping Billy, and he goes, "It's fantastic. That's really good. That's really interesting." And he tried my other tavern style. He's like, "This is really good." And he's smiling. And he's eating, and he's like asking me questions because I use a lot more cornmeal in my in my recipe. So he's, we were talking about that, and then he posted on his Instagram, and all of a sudden, like I have him getting like a kind of blown up with it and people are like where can we try this pizza where can we try this pizza and i only make tavern style at home i've never made it for anybody besides friends so i was forced because of that to do my own pop-up i did a pop-up with sugar moon but that was me manifesting that all of a sudden i have a picture and i'm like i meet kenji now he reaches out to me a couple weeks later he's like hey he texts me I'm like wait or he dms me he's like hey Asked me questions about sausage, and I helped him. I got hey, I'm connected with um, Rob Levitt from um, Public and Quality Meats nice. uh, Butcher because he was looking for a butcher, and I helped him with it. So I'm like, Kenji, can I my friend just like text you? He's like, Sure, sure. So he texts me. I'm like, Man, I told my buddy, I'm like, Man, it's a. Uh, when do I ask Kenji if he's gonna be my ring boy? I, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that was, it was like that was something I manifested, and so. But going back to uh, the now, now have you yeah. told that story to Kenji? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, what, what does he What does he say? Uh, he laughs. He just he cracks up. He's just uh, he's a super nice guy. I did a tavern style pizza making class. I wanted to have him be a part of it. And he was busy, but was it, he, so so he said he's trying to create his own spot or he's doing research. For no, his he, own he, spot, he basically he? was just doing a. He did a story for New York Times, and so oh, he okay. he did his research. And so the article comes out, um, and he mentions uh, John Carruthers and um, Kim's uncle's pizza and Vito and Nick's and oh. Rob Levitt. He doesn't mention me in the article, um, but in his Instagram posts, he shouted me out saying, you know, thank you to Billy and other people in the process and shouted me out in his, if you go on YouTube, there's his video and one of the first pizzas literally at the beginning it flashes that he talked about his tour is mine. So it was cool. It was a, like a life, I don't know, it was just like a any, thing I'll remember forever. Absolutely. Any, any manifestation with uh, Dave Portnoy? Not yet. Um, you know, I know he's problematic, and a lot of people are very. He's very polar. He's very polarizing. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and, but I don't. I don't look at it like that. I would love one day for him to try my pizza. Um, I don't think he. The trip Billy is like not something he'd ever try. He only tries cheese pizza. But still, I would love the fact. I want to get connected with them at some point. Um, I mean, they're they're in Chicago. Yeah, they're in this. They're moving. They're all, their big office is coming here. And talk about manifesting. I, my favorite podcast <laughs> is hard. My take. I'm going to be on there one day. I don't care how, but I'm going to get you on heard there it there. I'm going to get on there somehow. <laughs> but um, yeah, big cat, get me on PFT. I'd love to. So, um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I would love to have one day. You know, they. You know, he obviously tried Zaza's, and they they jumped off from there. But I imagine yeah. I look at it, and I because I really truly know like people you know hate him, and like I have to be you know sometimes I think in my head like if I had the opportunity to do something with him, am I going to get weird backlash because I'm connected to it? Which is like you know I don't know. Some people I, I get it. He's done so much good, especially He's in the done pandemic. A lot of good, and everybody does a lot of good, and we all do a lot of bad. I don't want to judge it for that reason. A lot of people that, that truly hate don't know the whole thing. It's yeah. like the headline readers. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people formulate their opinions. So I just, I don't look at it like that. I look at what it can do. If I did a pizza review, say, you know, he's in Chicago and he tries the Tripping Billy or just tries my cheese pizza and I make him pizza and he goes, oh, wow, I get 8.4. This is one of the best pizzas ever. This guy has muscular dystrophy. Donate to the muscular dystrophy right. association. That alone. Imagine what can happen. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. that's what I'd love to do one day. But, um, yeah. you know. Hopefully it happens. We'll we'll see. But I'm gonna keep trying, and I will I will get connected with them. I, I I started to get to know some of the the local barstool guys. I met them just through through Jim Graziano's partnership with them. Nice. We've been in conversation. They, I want oh, to yeah, do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I want to do videos. I've been talking with them. Uh, they, a couple of them actually follow me on Instagram. We we've talked, and we're gonna do something at some point. We're just waiting for the right nice. time opportunity. It'll it'll come. Um, 
I'm not in a rush. I say it to everybody. This is my life moving forward. I'm not in a rush. But to go back to what I was saying with the Sugar Moon thing, I did a did a pop up with them, and the reason I can't do pop ups all the time is because physically, when after that pop up, I felt like I played football because I was dead. I was so tired and sore the next day, like useless. I was walking really slow, limping slower, and it's just like it's a lot on me. So you know, I can't do the pop ups, but I do enjoy I enjoy creating. I like food. I like food content. I worked in the media before, so I feel like maybe food media is an outlet. So, I've been trying to do more recipe development, mm. recipe videos, um, you know, and growing my following. I want to do something that's complementary to complementary to the restaurants because I'm never going to go to a restaurant and say, "Derek, can you? I want five bucks from each pizza." No, I don't want to. I don't. That's. I want to do something that is complementary to what I'm doing there. Um, but I'm mm-hmm. never going to go to a restaurant. It's poor taste. So I would never want to do that unless it's me paying. So what are some other sources of revenue that you can create, whether uh, it's merch or whatever? Well, it's, merch is something that's what I'm actually working on. I'm going to be working with uh, hopefully Stop Manufacturing. We're going to do some um, nice. aprons, hats, stuff like that. Um, so I have a cool logo. Um, I have an amazing, amazing logo, and I've done it a couple times now. And Max Bear Art, uh, shout out Max who did my logo for me. Uh, he did the uh, Tripping Billy logo. He did the Tripping Billy tiramisu uh, logo for Pretty Cool, which basically turned me into a ice cream bar, uh, which is amazing. Um, I had the idea, I just can't draw, but I had the idea of like, it'd be so funny, I basically turned into a shishito pepper um, <laughs> with pizza and such. So I decided, you know, brand partnerships are something that can turn, you know, turn into... Um, I hate the word. I don't. I'm not going to be like an influencer. I don't want. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not going to go around and say like, you got to go to Chicago's hottest. You know, yeah, Chicago's hottest right, sandwich. Right, right. No, that's not my life. I don't want that. I create food. I like creating food. I like to help bring attention to these businesses. All these places that I've done these collaboration for. You mentioned before. I want their platforms because their platforms are eyes and ears for my story. More eyes and ears help me. It's vice versa and it now, helps. right? And then, yeah, and then I, but I'm bringing them business. And I know that now. I have, I hate the word, like I truly do, but I have an influence now. It works. Like people like what I'm doing. It's not, it shouldn't say even an influence, but people like the product that I'm putting out. There's definitely a negative stigma to it, but at the same time, it's like people value what your opinions and thoughts are. Yeah, yeah. And then, and I appreciate that. Like I'm, I if you did a, a search and counted how many times I said thank you on my Instagram in the past year and a half, I am very thankful for everything to literally every person who's followed me, every person who's sent me messages, every person who's done a collaboration with me, every person who's bought a product, anything that I get messages now from people throughout the world mm-hmm. that have muscular dystrophy or you know something a rare disease, something similar that I have, and they're asking me for advice, and now. Like I'm taking these messages, and but they're saying thank you. You're providing this inf- inspiration for me, and so I'm trying now to build streams of revenue for myself because one day I would love to just do this and not work my day job. Yeah. Because people, like I said, people don't realize that like I have a day job. I work my butt off. I do all this stuff in addition yeah. to working a full time like job uh, that is demanding. It's not. I don't have this job that's like easy. I. I it's, my body. it's, it's not o- hard. It's but okay I do to lot. it's okay to want money. No, I know, I know that. But for a long time, I I didn't. I felt weird about that. Yeah. Um. But so now I'm just trying to do that, and I think like one day, like the sky's the limit with me. I I, I told you this before. I told you this before we started. I don't think I've even scratched mm, the surface love that of what feeling. I'm going to do. There's not at all. Like there's some stuff coming up that I can't really share yet. But like there's some things that may happen that haven't happened yet. But if they do, yeah. it could be life changing for me. And. 
I'm on a track. I said from the beginning I was going to take this to the moon. I didn't know what the moon looked like. I can kind of see it a little bit now. And I don't have an end game. There's no end game here at all. And I don't care. I don't need an end game. I'm enjoying this every step of the way. But with that being said, you know, I've recently even made a return to the basketball court. I started playing basketball yeah. again. Uh, you know, I haven't touched a ball in eight years. I realize I can shoot flat-footed now, and I found joy. My my place that I miss so much, I'm back at it. But guess what? I love sneakers, and I love basketball. I want to partner with the Bulls. I want to get Nike involved, and I wear Jordan ones every. That's my signature shoe. You see me every day. I wear them. And I actually need them because I need a flat sole shoe. You see the new movie yet, Air? Oh yeah, so, I haven't. I haven't uh, seen so first it. Week, I haven't seen it. Spectacular, oh. spectacular movie. And, you know, my goal is like one day I want to have a trip in Billy. I want to have a trip in Billy Jordan. Like, and why not? Like they have a thing. Nike has something um, called uh, Fly Ease. It's soft. It's a technology basically for people with disabilities. You can step really? into the shoe. Yeah, it kind of steps and molds around you, and it kind of pulls back. You don't have to lace it. It's for people that can't really bend down. And there's no, like, they put some information out there about it, but they don't, like, there's no face to it. There's ne- no story. The guy, you there. know, they're not around anymore, but Nini's, uh, Nini's Deli. Yeah. They're, they they went away during the pandemic yeah. for other reasons, yeah, but, like, they collab with Nike. No, I know. I know it's possible. And I, and I, and I know, like, Nike, I, I tag Nike Chicago in these posts. And I've been doing these videos lately now where I'm, I record everything. Okay, like when I go to the gym, I record everything. And I told this to you before, and I'm telling it to your audience the same thing. I don't, nothing I do, I swear to you, nothing I do is for internet clout. I don't care about that. I record myself playing basketball, not for anybody else, but for me. I didn't think I'd ever step on that court again. Mm. And guess what? I can still shoot really well without jumping. I can't run, I can't jump, I can't barely bend down. And I record everything so I can see myself doing this because I don't know how long I have to do this. And the other day, I caught something on camera that I couldn't ever imagine having, and I don't know if I didn't. I didn't show the video before, but I was shooting free throws, just like I normally do. I just let this thing. I I hang it up behind the bas- uh, behind the back, uh, the stanch- uh, stanchion, and I just have it standing up. And I made a free throw. I walk over to get the ball, and when I when I bend down, I don't really bend with my knees. I kind of just like hinge at my hips, and I slowly grab the ball and pick it up. Well. My nightmare happened. Mm-hmm. I went to bend down, and my just legs just gave out. Okay. So I couldn't, and I just fell. I didn't fall hard; just fell into my knees. And I'm there on the floor, and you can kind of see me. It's this is all in video, and you can see me kind of like readjust a little bit, put my hand on the ball. And usually, I have to like lean on something, grab something, but I just push myself up by pushing the ball down to the ground, balance myself, kind of shook it off. You see me slowly walk back to the free throw line take like the biggest breath i go and you can see my shoulders drop two dribbles flip shot swish (laughs) i didn't in the moment realize what was going on as soon as i ended it i like you know finished my my session workout i stopped the tape and i watched it and i go holy shit (laughs) i this is this is gold people need to see this because i can tell you I can tell like, you like listen, the bending over part too. Everything uh, you see, literally, you see me make a shot. You see me fall. You see me push myself back up. You see me breathe, compose myself, and then hit another one like nothing happened. And I'm like, this is a lesson. And so I got my car, and this is again how my mind thinks. I get excited. I'm like, I'm gonna edit the yeah, thing. Yeah, ride I the wave really quickly. Yeah. 
and I voice I voice something over. Nice. Um, and you know, I don't when I do my voiceovers, it's a little secret. When I do a voiceover, it's all there's nothing scripted. I literally just look at my phone and I just start talking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I should be doing better things, but I don't. I just do that. But I basically told the story. I was like, you know, my biggest fear was falling. You making my making my return back to the court was falling, and I fell and. I got back up and life you're going to fall and it's not about how many times you fall you just have to push yourself up you have to keep going and drive through and then I said I just got to get up and just keep getting buckets keep getting buckets and I posted that video and it just it took off like I knew it would because I knew people need to see this and it still hasn't even been seen by who I want to see it. Like, there's big accounts that I want. Like, I need ESPN to see it. I want Nike to see it. This is the stuff that I want to see. I don't want to see a bunch of junk that I see on the internet all day. This is something is going to affect people like, throughout the world. Seeing somebody who can't run a jump shoot flat-footed and all of a sudden fall down. I can tell you on this podcast why I fall or how many times I fall. But, but seeing if you it, see it, yeah. It's what makes a difference. I made a real last year of me working out and showing how I have to get up. Like that is going to be the difference. And so that's why what I want to do moving forward with my life is mm. continuously be the voice for the voiceless, mm. be the force for change in situations, and be the one who breaks the stereotypes. And also just have fun along the way. There's no one part to my story. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> we all know, you know, life is short. But like when you actually have a condition that puts you in this position um it really forces you to look at the mortality of life and especially with a condition where you don't know how fast it's going to progress um you know how how do you how do you just you just stay positive but like it's not as easy. Have you met no. other people with this condition? Um, recently, for the first time, I met an adult last okay. uh, at the uh, there's an MDA gala, and I met um, a woman who actually has the same condition as my as mine. That was the first time I met. But usually, I've only met children because I there's a, the one of the biggest events for the MDA is the Muscle Walk. It mm. is essentially a walkathon. It's their biggest fundraising event. They do in different cities and uh, different states. And Muscle Walk Illinois is held in Westmont. Last year. They asked me to MC it, and I MC'd the event after not even didn't even know what the event was the year before. I'm not even a year into my diagnosis, mm. and I MC'd this event. Wow. And um, they asked me to do it again. I'm doing it. It's actually coming up the 21st uh, of this month. <laughs> but I only met children, and those children are you know usually the, there's a million forms. There's a bunch of forms of muscular dystrophy. So there's much some more more severe than I have, and much more common. There's all sorts of them. So the kids that were there. A good amount of them were using aids, whether it was wheelchairs or some type of assistance. And so I would talk to their parents, and I had some interactions with the kids. But it, you know, I, for a long time, I didn't really see anyone. Um, I'd meet any any adults. I'd meet them online, talking. People would find me and ask questions. But you know, after I went to the MDA gala last November, and I met, they were honoring um, they were honoring Steve Mongo McMichael played for the 85 bears mm. he also um crazy part i produced his radio show at espn oh, wow. and he was uh i also produced the bears pregame show that he hosted well steve mongo mcmichael now has als okay he was diagnosed in 2021 and he's not in good shape at all um and the mda uh honored him um with a with a courage award and i went to this event 
and I watched the video uh, that they're dedicating to him, and I, I heard you know some other people speak, and they said, you know, everybody give a round of applause for all the warriors in our crowd today that are fighting muscular dystrophy and all these different diseases, and it hit me for the first time. I don't grieve normally. I mm-hmm. grieve differently. I'm mm-hmm. always go, 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 keep myself busy. I'm, I don't process things in real time. It might just hit me in a random time in a car. I'll just like, what is going on? This is kind of crazy. Like, I, this is real. That was the first time, I swear to you, first time, Victor, that I realized I have a rare disease. Mm. And I cried. I, I, I went through, I went literally went through every stage of grief that night. I started crying. I turned away. I had tears on my face. And then I ended up meeting, um, her name was Summer, and she's... Um, 10, 12 years older than me, but she has the same disease I had, told her story a little bit. She knew from a child that she had it, but Mm. I walked away, though, after being down for a little bit, more fired up than ever. I walked out of there like, I'm doing something fucking great. I'm doing something that's never been done before. Whether, you know, not even just the food stuff, like bringing attention to this in a way that I'm doing it, hitting a demographic that a way that, that that the MDA probably would never reached you know, by what I'm doing, I'm more motivated to take this shit fucking higher and higher than I do, or that I've done already. And one thing I ta- I learned, though, like, I've, I told you the story about my joint and mm-hmm. I, I, that dislocated. That fall, that same fall has happened three times, or two other times since then. That joint has popped out two other times since then. Oh, wow. I've had to go to the ER three different times for that same thing. Now it's prone to happening. If I fall and I use that leg, that leg leads and falls, it's just, it just it hits, now it's loose. It's just like, it's wow. Just, it's screwed up. So I had to make the adjustment. Um, biggest adjustment in my life, I started carrying a cane. Yeah. If you can see, I have my Birdman. <laughs> I introduced Birdman. That's my cane. Uh, I have a cane. I'm like, you know, I don't want, I'm, I'm 39. I don't want to carry a cane imagine like that that feeling that you have to go through mentally the adjustment of walking a room with a cane yeah a cane is a badass accessory if you do it right but it's also like if you need it it's a it's a sure. weird thing and i didn't want to use like you know i don't want to look like i was elderly so i'm like if i'm gonna do this maybe the cane's my new sneakers i'm gonna, I'm gonna lean into this and make i'm just gonna get cool canes and you know, actually shout out to rachel rachel's the one who said this, this is not my words she said billy you're cool you're, you've always been like the coolest person I've ever known. Like you, you go to places because you know someone, or you just go there because you want to be there. You don't go because it's the hip spot. You wear Jordans because you've always worn them, and you you do things that are truly you and that are effortless, and that makes you cool. You may not think it. I don't think I'm cool. I don't care. I think I'm an idiot. But she said that she's like, get cool canes, just. Find something that you like. Make them part of you. You know how cool and badass you will look if you have it? And I'm like, all right. So I end up finding Birdman. I got that cane. I end up going to the Logan Square Arts Fest. I wanted to rip off the Band-Aid. I had to go out in public and go somewhere I made a lot of people. I went there with that cane, and I was nervous. And then some random person comes up to me. He's like, it's a badass cane. I'm like, thanks. And then another person. That cane's sick. You need that? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, actually, you know, I have muscular dystrophy. I use it for balance. I'm like, that's awesome, man. That's dope. It looks really cool. All of a sudden, the edge is gone. And then the reality is that cane helps so much. It's just a little touch of balance 
walking through grass, walking through pebbles, like when we were trying to get through the park uh, uh-huh. by the monument, is a game changer. Because can you can you feel your leg going out um, sometimes, or like, uh, and the cane's there to help yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Right? If, if like I lose my balance on the left side, I can help me with that. And then I've learned those falls where my leg really gives out. It's because they're on the right side. Um, it's because if I move too fast physically and mentally yeah. for my body right. to 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 catch up sometimes if i'm flustered really it happens a lot when i'm flustered okay the three have three falls two or three falls happen when i was walking my dog when there's a lot going on or i was stressed okay. out so i've learned to start carrying the cane everywhere and i don't need to walk i can walk fine obviously you need playing basketball and doing these things but like i can walk okay but that cane is in my hand now for security reasons for balance reasons sure. and i use that for balance reasons mm-hmm. but i've learned now I can't control this fully, but if I just slow down, like truly just slow down, don't worry about walking too fast, but mentally mm. slow down, don't get flustered. I started using that cane of July, last July. I've only had one leg give out fall this year and it was in my apartment mm. and it only happened in a situation where I was, I got flustered. There was a lot going on and I was fine. Thankfully it didn't, it didn't happen again, but I've had to learn to slow down. Um, but the big thing you asked me to answer your question, to give you the longest winded answer question, a uh, longest uh, long winded question uh, answer ever. My advice to everybody is this: there are going to be good days, there are going to be bad days. Whether those days that are fall, that the, the one time that I end up in the hospital and I end up having to get my joint popped in for the third time, I had a meltdown. I was in the ER by myself. I had to wait forty five minutes to see somebody. I turned my camera on. And I just, I gave this, I gave this impassionate, I was holding back tears the whole time. But I basically said, I'm sick of living like this. I'm sick of falling. This is why I do what the fuck I do. Because I need a change. I don't want to live like this forever. I want attention to be made for this. I want a cure one day. And I like let it out. And I was really crying. I was, I finished it and I cried. And I, I, people were so proud. They're like, that's beautiful. Cause I pulled back the curtain of my life. And I, I share very personal things. And... I was miserable that day and I was, I was reverted and I, I was terrible. And my, my friends were like, Billy, it's okay. You can, it's okay to have a bad, bad day. And then I realized at night after being so down on myself, there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. All I can ask for and all anybody can ask for is have more good than bad. And if that's the case, you're winning. Mm. That's it. Like it's nothing's going to be perfect. I'm going to have days in the future. I'm going to fall again. I know it. I'm I'm flying high right now. There's a lot of good stuff going on, you know, and so unfortunately there's going to be a point where something derails me. But does, just because I'm off the tracks doesn't mean I can't get back on the tracks. You just got to keep going. And that's not easy for everybody. Like, I, I'm not saying anybody who gets bad news or even like a diagnosis like I did. I know that I'm, I know I'm different. I grieve differently. I, I took something so quickly and turned it around. I said I'd never, I said I would never come to grips with this and I would never accept it. Guess what? I understand. I'm not accepting yet. I understand the idea of acceptance now because I realize my role in this and my role in life, and I feel like I'm doing something bigger than me, mm. bigger than me for other people, and obviously I'm doing a lot for myself too in this process. But I used to say that I feel like that I felt like I was Harvey Dent. I felt like I was Two Face from from Batman. Half of me is in the public eye, spreading goodwill sharing laughs trying to be out there the other half is navigating this new life and is a shell of himself and is nervous and still like i'm going to a Sox game saturday i'm still worried about how i'm going to get to my seat and such but i'm trying now b 
being that voice for people has fused these things together and I'm slowly becoming one again. And it's okay to have bad days. It's okay to ask for help. I never did either of those. I never accepted bad days. I never wanted to ask for help. I have a handicap placard now. I never wanted to get that. It took me a freaking year and a half to get that because I refused to do it. I felt like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm not. I have a, I have a really rare disease, and my yeah. legs are going to get weaker and weaker. So it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to have bad days. It's just You just do what you can to get back on the horse. Even if it takes you a little bit, you're not going to like snap out of it right away. Grieve. It's okay to grieve. Move on. 100%. Billy, it was an honor. Thank you. Thank we, you for having me. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm honored to share your story. I'm honored to talk to you and meet you, and you. and I I'm looking forward to many more collaborations that you got going on. And Chicago is lucky to have you. Thank you. The MDA is lucky to have you. Thank you. Um, and this goes far beyond MDA, right? Uh, far beyond muscular dystrophy. I think a lot of people can relate to your situation as far as reinventing yourself. Thank you. Um, so uh, where can people find you if you want to be found? Follow me on Instagram, the real Billy Z. Mm. Uh, that is the main hub website coming soon and, and when i say soon probably five years from now but it'll it'll i'll get i'll get it i'm gonna have a website soon get that out there um follow me on instagram that's where you can find everything if you'd like to donate to the muscular Disease association donate to my cause cause go into my bio there's something there's a link tree in there you click on the link tree you can see at the top link is my donation link if you feel free if you have the means you want to donate otherwise don't even stress about that. Come to the events. Yeah. Come eat my food because that's what I really want. I don't even want to ask. It was fire, guys. He brought he brought a Detroit pizza. Oh gosh, I got that's so you know we didn't even talk about it, but like I've taken this Trip and Billy brand basically, and like I've turned that pizza into a pasta. I've turned it into a taco. It's currently a grilled cheese sandwich, and all I do is add an ing and what is a the, verb. The tripping grilly or yeah, something. Yeah, like tripping that? grilly. <laughs> yeah, I add literally my formula is adding an ing and then you know something that replaces my name or a verb yeah. and then my name. So like that's, that's awesome. Get ready for my glue company, Gripping Billy. That's coming soon. Uh, so yeah, it's all fucking through. But yeah, follow me on Instagram. Um, you know that's that's my main source. You can follow any me. If, if anyone's listening, any any other collabs you want to manifest. That you wouldn't mind putting out there? Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, uh, Chicago Bulls, let's make this work. Uh, Nike, let's make it work. <laughs> now, it comes to food. Um, no, uh, food, I'm just kind of working work my way. If people that are listening, if anybody hears this, that's in the industry, whether you're at a bar, restaurant, whatever. It's kind of limitless. I mean, if you, you, I'm, you, no. what if you went back into like audio? What if you did your own podcast? Yeah, no, I, mean, I actually have a I have book. An, I have an idea. Well, I'd like to do a cook. I have an idea for a book. I'd love to do a book called. You could essentially a, be a tour guide now for Chicago. Yeah, man. There's, a, there's. I mean, <laughs> there's so many things. I was talking to somebody. You know, it's funny. I'll say this before we go, but like, I was talking to the director of marketing with um with Kitch, and she was talking about a couple of things. She's like, Billy, you know, ever since Anthony de Bourdain passed, you know, we're all clamoring for that one person to bring people together, and not saying in any way you're compared to Anthony Bourdain. Uh, the guy's a legend. I'm definitely not like that. But she's like, the fact that you have this ability to bring people and make partnerships and connections from all parts of the world, and and whether it's the, the aspect of your illness to yeah. restaurants. stuff. What if stuff. Tripping Billy's goes international? Well, I want to do it. I want to, I'd love one day to do a Tripping Billy nationwide tour. That would be the coolest Ooh. thing and hit, hit the place throughout the country. But yeah, she said like we're clamoring for that person who can bring that obviously has cooking skills, but really just like yeah. has a personality that brings people together. Maybe that maybe that's you one day. And I, my answer to everything is I don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. All I know is whatever I do, it's attached to my name. If you see Billy Z 
Billy Zerkat attached to anything, it's going to be done to the best of my abilities. And it's probably going to be good. You're going to have a good time. So that's all I can say. And I just want everybody out there, the last thing, you know, I want my story. If I gave you a 1% boost and motivated you in any way or made you laugh or whatever, if I provided something, then my job is done. That's it. So, you know, hopefully you guys, if you're going through some stuff, find what brings you joy and just go get buckets. Hell yeah. All right. Cheers, guys. We'll see you in the next next episode.